last week's injuries, red cards and bombshell squad announcements. There's so much to discuss today on the Rugby Paper podcast. Strap yourselves in as joining us to discuss Australian rugby, Eddie Jones, rugby league converts, Owen Farrell and much, much more is one of the greatest rugby players of all time, David Campese. Towards the end, we'll do some talk about England and stuff as well. So if you want to hang around for that, you're... Who? <laughs> oh, that's, that's the one. Eddie that's a very that. good question. Oh, that's <laughs> the one where uh, Sir Clive blamed uh, Eddie for the two England losses when he left. Bloody hell! What next? And you gave him, and you gave him an OBE. Sheesh. Hey? Desperate people. Hey, okay. Tell us what you really think. Uh, well, you ask, mate. I'll tell you. What do you? What do you? What do you expect? I'm going to lie. Say, so, geez, you got a great team. <laughs> Go on, Campo. <laughs> right we're, not in, we're not as in bad shape as you a lot. Oh, I don't right know. Uh, here we go. See you at seven. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, well, that's pretty much our intro done, to be fair. Um, yep. Australian icon, one of the stalwarts in that all time great 91 side, David Campesi. How are you? Uh, I'm well, thanks. How are you guys going? Yeah. Besides you being late, I thought the English were always on time. <laughs> are you actually going to turn up for this year's World Cup or are you going to start next year? That's a debate. It's looking like. Or, we... or, or you can speak to Owen Farrell about not to use shoulder in tackles, but he hasn't learned, so he deserves whatever he gets. Oh, this from the man who, from the country who gave us Steve Finney. <laughs> Mate, I was playing rugby league when he was, I was still in nappies when he was playing. I got no idea you talked about. <laughs> <laughs> Why would a winger go near rucks? Tell me that. <laughs> Indeed. The game's changed. Big. But honestly, if there was cameras around in our day, I don't think there would be any, many players left on the fields. <laughs> especially <laughs> that England, especially England versus France, 91 semi-final in Paris. The absolute, oh. you, it was, mate, it was shocking, wasn't it? That was one of the great games I've ever seen. But for all the oh, but for all the dodgy all the reasons, reasons, all the dodgy exactly. reasons, exactly. But that was rugby, though. That's how we that's that's how we grew up. That's how we used to play. If you if you weren't good enough, mate, you'd go and play another sport. That was part of life. Brian Brian Smith once told me that the that the the reason the game was so knifey back then was that everyone was running around trying to punch Eddie Jones. Is that right? Uh, well, there was one game, yeah, I won't mention, but yeah, there was a game where Eddie was um, was playing for Randwick, who I was playing for, the Ellis played for, and Brian Smith was a goal kicker, and there was a lot of sledging going on. I've never heard sledging liked in my life. But you know, with Eddie, small man syndrome problems, you know, nothing's changed over life, you know. <laughs> David, I was on the phone to you the morning of the Australia World Cup fraud. We may as well get into it. Yeah. Um, Okay, was watching the. Can you actually? I don't know. I actually, I don't know who they are. Can you tell me who they are? <laughs> I was hoping you could tell us are. about Carter Gordon. He's, he sounds like a comic book hero. I've never heard of him. Actually, he's actually not a bad player. Young, twenty-three-year-old, number ten, um, comes from the Rebels. Uh, not a bad player, but the the biggest concern is he's the goal kicker. <laughs> he's played what one, two Test matches. Um, he's played with Karevi in one game and he's played with Tate McDermott in two games. So the combinations in the back line is going to be unbelievable um, because, as you know, in World Cups, goal kickers win games 
and combinations is vital. And if you haven't got those, I actually don't know what's going to happen. What's and it? is there a, is there a goal kicker anywhere else in the uh, squad camp or not? Yeah, well, you've got uh, Nick White, uh, who's always worried about his moustache more than anything else. And then you've got uh, Donaldson, who who actually played number ten last year. He's actually not a bad player. Um, but again, we've got a lot of problems in Australian rugby with um, coaches not liking certain players. Uh, I still don't understand the style of rugby we want to play. I'm still mystified. Uh, nobody, I've been cancelled by Rugby Australia, so nobody talks to me. So that's why you poor guys over there got to listen to me because no one else does. <laughs> so so I just uh, it's just frustrating, you know. I mean, the game's a great game, but, I mean, it's Eddie, – Eddie came back this year and uh, – he went back to his school with the Ellers and said everybody should be running around the ball like the Ellers. A month after that, he said, uh, running rugby is dead. We're going to kick the ball away. Our skill factor is very poor. We know guys like us are allowed to pass on our knowledge. Uh, and it's not hard. I mean, professional rugby is a total different animal to amateur. I think we're better amateurs because we love the game and we wanted to be the best. These guys get paid a lot of money. Why aren't they the best? They've got everything. Eddie's got 12 coaches. So if you're not the best player in the world, if you've got 12 coaches, really, what, what is missing? A 13th coach, probably. Well, probably. Yes, probably that's the, uh, the chairman or maybe, the boss. Maybe, maybe a bit of clarity. <laughs> well, I just think it's, it is. And I actually, uh, in 1991, I brought out a book on the wing and a prayer before the World Cup. In my last chapter said, if we go professional, we, our sport is gone. Uh, then I did it again in 2003. And if you have a look at it, you still got Bill Beaumont running around as president of the IRB or World Rugby. Now, really, I mean, it's if we want the sport to thrive, we need young. Peugeot would have been absolutely fantastic. But because he's not part of the block, people don't like different people. They don't like people who are not going to agree with them all the time. But isn't that what life's about? You've got to sometimes bite the bullet and say, right, I will give you a chance. But we won't. And look where we are now. We've got rugby league laws in our game. Rugby league don't care about us. You've got Andy Farrell, who's a rugby league player. Ireland's all about defence. Defence, defence, defence. When they beat All Blacks last year in New Zealand, you have a look at the game, they did not commit one player to a ruck, which means four All Blacks on the ground. Ireland had 15 versus 11. The game is a very simple game, but it's all about defence. It's not about attack. And unfortunately, the game that we used to play is um, is probably a distant memory. You know, if you look at the old videos, I try and teach my son, Jason, some of the ways we used to play, but he's playing with kids who don't watch rugby anymore, which is very but, sad in Australia. David, I, I, what, what you've just said I, really strikes a chord for, 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 for slightly sad reasons, those being that I've got nothing better to do in my life. I watched a bit of a rerun of the 91 World Cup final. <clears throat> and we all know what's happened to the breakdown, the tackle area, all mm. that stuff. But that was a numbers game around the ball. There were no hands on the floor. People were generally on their feet. I know mm. there were pilots and what have you, but the theory was that everyone stays on their feet. The interchanging of possession in that game was enormous. Yeah. By, by modern day standards, the actual yeah. movement of the game as a game from one end of the field to the other was extraordinary compared to now. Because you can't get you can't get the ball back unless you unless you're putting yourself in a position where you get concussed. Okay, 
I agree, but you have a look at the game of rugby now, okay? So you have a line-out, okay? So you throw the ball to number 10. Number 10 throws the ball, spirals the ball backwards, okay? Then that guy passes the ball backwards. So the opposition tackle the outside centre, not even to the advantage line, behind the advantage line. So all the forwards cannot get to that run. That's why they came back. Then you stop. The halfback's got to run all the way over there. He makes everyone clear, right, passes the ball. One guy runs into two. He knocks him backwards. So the attacking team is actually going backwards. The defending team is going forwards. We've got it the wrong way around. But that's what rugby league used to do. Rugby league in Australia is playing the way we used to, is attack, attack, attack. But we're playing rugby league, where it's all defence, defence, defence. And all people want to do is run through people. There's no, you know, you've got some fantastic wingers. You know, if you look at Jordan for the All Blacks, he scored 23 tries in 23 games. I mean, Corabetti for Australia, he's got to go into a five-metre line-out ruck to dive over to score a try because no one gives him the ball. Can you imagine me? I would never go in ruck. But, I mean, that's the way the game's changed. And you've got 12 coaches. It's all about structure. It's all about this. Let the guys go out there and express themselves. And I've said this Many times, I still remember probably the last time Danny Cipriani played for England. It was at Twickenham. And England were in there 22 against Australia. Danny gets the ball. He runs to the opposition 22. And there's not no one there because they're ready for the next phase. They can't anticipate. And that's why Eddie didn't like him. Coaches hate people they cannot control. And that is definitely, especially in the backs, and it's a fact of life. You know, if you can't, like Finn Russell's a great player. He loves taking the ball to the line. Uh, Saxton as well. You've got uh, Pollard, got the, the good bud and the South and the Kiwis. They love throwing, going to the line. That's how you get the opposition guessing. But if you have a look at the game, and I can rattle off a lot of games. Uh, last year, if you watched England versus Australia at the Sydney Quick Round, the third test, Australia had a line out at halfway. Australia got the ball. It was knocked on. Smith gets it and runs 50 metres. Because what happens at training, they don't train against anyone, so everyone's going to be perfect. All of a sudden, you drop a ball, everyone goes, okay, okay, where should we be? Are we in the right position? You have a look. It's disarray. And all of these is really defence. There's no saying, guys, dive on the ball. You've got him. I've got you. And I'm sitting there going, why don't they talk to each other? What is the... The thing is, and we've got rugby league defence coaches because we're professional. I mean, if they marked, if this Australian team marked the uh, Wallabies 91 or 99 World Club backlines, mate, we would absolutely give them a hide. They wouldn't understand angles, where we run in, which way. They wouldn't know, have any idea because it's not about up and across. It's actually running into space, running to angles, offloading before the tackle. 90, since professionalism, 95% of the tries are after contact. When we played, it was before contact. You suck the player in, you pass. Now they want to go off there and offload. But it's David, total difference. Uh, over yeah. the decades, we've relied on you Aussies to shake things up. You know, you, you are the innovators because you've had limited playing numbers. You have to mm. make the best resources. You guys have, for 30 years, been the innovators. So... Has this Aussie side got it in them to come up with something a bit different? Because they're going to have to, aren't they, to do well? Yeah, well, that's the unknown. We, I actually don't know. I mean, Skelton. Skelton doesn't even play in Australia. And he's the captain. 
Like, to me, a captain's got to be a leader that you respect. I mean, these guys are all just thrown together. Eddie's obviously hoping for a miracle. I mean, we have got probably the easiest draw of the World Cup's uh, pools. Um, so, look, we, we I, I believe, um, you know, we had a guy called Rod McQueen who's coached the 99 World Cup. I don't think that that really helped us because it was a very structured, it was all about structure. He was at the Brumbies. It was about structure. He picked Gregan and Larkin. He wouldn't pick anyone else. So when they retired, he didn't have anybody. So then we started to find someone else. And now if you have a look at the coaches, who are the coaches? Eddie's, Eddie's a hooker. He's got no idea what happens in the backs. You know? And the thing is, it's not hard to play instinctive rugby if you've got people who want to play and have got the skills. I, don't, I think the Kiwis are playing a lot better rugby. They play the way we used to play in the back line. And that's the problem because we are still stuck in the, the, the twilight zone of this, the pod system, which the Kiwis invented five years ago. France have moved on, thank God, for that because they wanted always to be what the Kiwis were. Then one day they said, no, we're not doing that. We're playing the French school more tries from counterattack than any other team. And it's great to watch. That's rugby. In the, in the great days, David, of, of the Wallabies, those sides that we were talking about earlier, and this is a bit of a hobby horse of mine on this podcast, I think the All Blacks are playing uh, um, in the sort of thriller minute style they are, or with the with the potency, the attacking potency they have at the moment, hmm. partly because they, they now have a footballer at 12. You used to have Michael Liner in, in 84 playing there. Uh, you had Gitto back in the day. You mm. had um, you had Tim Horan, obviously, who's one of the one of the very greats. Yeah. They were genuine footballers. Well, the thing is, we had, if you look at the, uh, if you have a look at, um, probably not the Kiwis in 87, but if you look at 91, we had uh, uh, Liner Horan, okay? Good playmakers, two. 95 was Joe Stransky and um, I'm trying room. to think of his name. Yeah. And in the room, both number 10s. Yeah. Then you look at um, 99, we had Larkham and trying to think it was. So we had two playmakers. So if one's down, we still had one available. Tim Gorman again. Then the game changed. Tim Gorman. Then they changed. Then things changed, yeah. you know, and that's because coaches come in and Rod McQueen was one of those coaches. He came in. He didn't want to entertain. It was about structure, about winning. And that I think that put us back for years and years because he wouldn't pick anybody we tried to find another Larkin when he retired. You can't go and get another player that we've just had. Every player is different. And, uh, yeah, look, our problem in Australia is nobody knows who we are. There's no history. We had the uh, Saturday we had uh, the 1984 Grand Slam reunion uh, with Alan Jones and we had the 86 Low Cup in Eden Park the last time we won at Eden Park. Rugby Australia has done nothing for us. No one knows who we are. All we do is go there and we have a bit of have a fun because if it wasn't for Alan Jones, we nobody would remember who we are, and that's our problem. Kids don't know the history of Australian rugby, and that's why we are where we are at the moment. That's why the Wallabies go off at a send off. No one even knows where they are; <laughs> they've gone. But if you look do, at South Africa, they had four and a half thousand people at the airport. Do they think that Don't Carter they? Gordon's name is really Gordon Carter? It might be like those old-fashioned programs where where they always put the surname first. His name yeah. might be Gordon. Well, he, Call him Gordon. See what happens. But the thing is, also you've got to understand that at rugby games now in Australia, there's no programs. You go to a test match, there's no programs. You've no. no idea if you don't know who's playing. No, honestly, there's no programs. God, 
Mate, it's it's diabolical. It's actually, and uh, look, it's it's very sad because you know I, I was fortunate to play for Australia uh, from my background. You know, I didn't go to a government school, uh, but the people before me put Australia on the map, and we just continued the baton. And now I don't know what these guys. They don't actually care about the history. You know, they're just playing. They're getting paid. You know, I mean, I don't know if you saw Quade Cooper after last week's test. They lost by whatever, and there he is in the spa laughing. I mean, we never used to laugh when we lost. I was devastated. But these guys laugh and have a chat after the game. I mean, that's just it. It's a, it's a pay job, mate. It's not a – It's not. they haven't got the passion. When they say we've got passion, I mean, it's a different passion to what we had. You know, we, we loved the game because it was part – it was a fun thing to play. But we were good at what we did, and that's what made us champions. Well, Campo, the way that the game's going at the moment, when you look at the various financial problems around the world, it may revert to amateurism <laughs> Later, <laughs> I agree. But what's what's the what what's so what's the uh, world rugby doing? They're supposed to control the game. So what are they actually doing for the game? Yeah, tell me. Well, I mean, they've got Fiji. Fiji has still got half their players probably playing in England because the clubs won't let them go. So do you think of a World Cup? The IRB will say, guys, okay, World Cup year, every for, every player must play for their country. But they don't because the clubs have got power and they said, no, no, the friend, oh, no, no, we want these players. I mean, I, I remember 2007 in, in France, Fiji played a couple of provincial games in England on their way to the World Cup. You know, and then, but to there, now you're going to, now you've got, you've got uh, Australia playing France be- next week, normal, yes, next week. Then you've got South Africa versus New Zealand. It was Samoa. Samoa played against Japan. They played against uh, Fiji, but they're not playing against the big boys. They're playing against each other. Mm. But, I mean, that's that's not a preparation. So the big boys play against all the big teams yeah. and the little ones play. And then you've got to turn up and give 80 minutes of a, a rugby against some of the top eight teams in the world. And that's, nothing, that's not really, no. And nothing's changed really, Campo. That, that's that's the problem is, is that this sort of um, triple tier or two tier <laughs> system mm. or however many tiers it is, nothing's changed. And the World Cup draw is, I don't know your thoughts on it, but to have the four top teams in the world, actually the five top teams in the world, uh, now with the Scots who are, who are definitely, uh, in terms of fitness, uh, getting to another mm. level. I think, uh, you know, you've got those teams in one half of the draw because they do the draw three years before the World Cup. Soccer draws done but, six but, uh, Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, what should be happening is, Whoever the world champions are from last World Cup, you're number one, you're A. The runners-up are B. You do it that way. You don't put them all in the same pool. No. I mean, it's just, you know, but they do because that's it. So what happens during COVID, um, for example, um, some teams didn't play, the other ones did, and they just go miles ahead. I, I, look, anyway, but that's, that's, that's not for us to, to find. I mean, that's, that's the IRB's, uh, well, well, rugby, sorry, um, that's that's their problem. The problem is you've got Australia versus Georgia. I don't know who's Georgia, where their players are from. Then you've got Fiji, Wales, and then you've got Portugal. Then you've got a week off. I mean, why do you have a week off in a World Cup? What is what is what is this? It's a holiday resort or something, you know? Yeah, they've extended the World Cup by a week. It's now seven weeks long. Now, yeah, because I they get a break. And you've got thirty-three man squads. You know, I mean, yes, you want a bit of a break between. The matches, but it doesn't have to be so elongated. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's just as I'm saying. The problem is that 
you know, we've got the Football World Cup now. I mean, the, the amount of people watching this is ridiculous. You know, and our Australian rugby team just goes, no one actually knows where they are. And that's a national sport. Soccer, rugby is the fifth sport in Australia now mm. because we don't entertain people. You know, the only way in Australia sport to be number one is like we did in the 90s, is entertain, the kids will come. But we don't entertain because I don't know what we do um, and no one knows who we are. And that's why the population is not really interested in rugby. Do you think, David, in, in, in the professional age, one of the, re- one, one of the problems is that there's a, 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 lack of, a lack of identity about the Wallabies in Australia is the, abs- is the absence of a meaningful, a meaningful club system. Uh, no, the club in, in, in France, no. in France, obviously yep. the, the the club system is all yep. as it kind of is in kind of is in England. Yep. In in Japan, which is one of the few sort of growth areas of rugby in 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 the world, mm. there there is a there's a, a proper league with some promotion and relegation and some sort of local identity mm. and all that kind of thing. And, and you guys have never really been able to establish that at club level, have you? So you don't get that club. Yeah, but well, yeah, our club rugby is actually pretty good. The grassroots is pretty good in Australia. Then you go to the super rugby teams, which is New South Wales, Queensland, uh, the Rebels. So we've got five teams. We can't sustain five teams in, what, in cricket financial? as well. Well, not for, well. well, we haven't got the money. I mean, uh, I remember playing for New South Wales in our day and we used to play at the Sydney Football Stadium. And if we didn't get 22,000 people, you would you just break even. Now they're getting 8,000 people. Mm. You know, they had Hooper on like $1.4 million. So we had players up and down, but I'm just saying that the problem is now is that we don't have the entertainment factor. And I've been coaching for the last since 2018, but two years now I've been at uh, Newcastle outside Sydney, two and a half thousand kids. So I coach them, and after training, I say, "Okay, uh, Johnny, what's your name? Uh, what position? Number two? Who's your favourite player? Haven't got one. You watch rugby? No, don't watch because it's not not on free to wear." So we've got Rugby League on free-to-wear. We've got Aussie Rules on free-to-wear. You've got the Matildas on free-to-wear, and we're on pay TV. Yeah. So what happens is we don't have the audience. So for the Bledisloe Cup in Melbourne, okay, uh, the viewership was 500,000 people on free-to-wear, streaming, whatever. The Rugby League has the state of origin. 3.1 million people watch that. And you've got Aussie Rules on a Saturday, which is just killing it. And now you've got the Matildas absolutely going ballistic. Because you don't, we don't entertain. People, don't, people who love rugby know rugby. And they're sick of this referee, come here, we want to look at this. Oh, mate, he ducked the tackle. No, it's a red card. Off you so, you know, we were just in Paris a couple of weeks ago with uh, Medi-Olympic. And they had the 75th uh, Oscar de Rugby. So they picked a World 15 team. So there was... Uh, Francois Pina, Brian Nabana, Bucky's Boita, The Beast, yeah, uh, Bismarck Duplessis, Dan Carter, Kieran Reed, Smith, myself, Eels, uh, Far Jones, and Jason Robinson. And, you know, we're all sitting there talking, and it's just quite interesting when you get these guys in and you have a look at the style of rugby, what we did, and how we entertained. And now it's just totally doesn't exist. It's all about winning. But if you think about the 91 World Cup, New Queen, Australia had two teams, New South Wales, Queensland. So we had nine Queenslanders, eight New South Welshmen. 
and we knew each other or, you know, angle, we knew everybody. Now you've got five teams. Play, you know, they're not, it's a different, it's the, they're not taught the same skill factor, skills. Um, and, you know, kicking this ball away from the, the base of the ruck is just absolutely boring. You know, kicking away thinking you're going to win by kicking the ball away. You know, and it is, but you go and watch club rugby. My kids play rugby. It's the same. Kids do not watch rugby in Australia. Really? Sort of touched on two things. One is a sort of lack of recognition for the great size in 84, 86, 91, like you said. <clears throat> and the lack of retention of the Australia DNA. Do you think that there's very much a correlation there between... You take New Zealand, for example, you mentioned Will Jordan. Will Jordan's allowed to do what he does because he's retained their DNA to a certain point. You mm. don't with Australia, not just this side, but you know, you've talked about the sides in 2018, 2019 as well that haven't managed to retain what that Australian DNA is. Well, the DNA is from um if you look at you know, as I said, even before you know, eighty seven when I first eighty two, you know, the yellows, we we changed. The, the running rugby style. Um, but again, we had the coaches like Alan Jones and Bob DeWire who allowed us to play that, and we had the skills to play that. Okay, so you've got a guy, uh, for example, Jordan Pattaya plays 13 for, for Australia. He's played on the wing and fullback. He doesn't pass the ball. So if I was marking, it would be so easy to mark because he doesn't pass. In our days, we had Jason Little, who was a very good 13. We had Gary Yellow, very good 13. Sterling Mortlock. We had guys who could keep you guessing. You know, and I think the DNA has gone many years ago because we are not allowed to be involved and help these guys get a few skills or anticipate. You know, I, I sit there in games, I said, oh, he's going to kick the ball here. And I said, how do you know that? I said, mate, it's so easy to see what's happening because I used to read a game. These guys, you know, you, you see the try, the kick across, and the guy dives and the wing is nowhere to be seen. Um, I think, um, was it last year? in Scotland versus uh, France. And France were attacking at 22. Anyway, so uh, from this side of the fields, the goalposts are there. So they got to about here. And the outside centre and um, oh, the fullback uh, just retired. Oh, Stuart Hogg. Hogg. Stuart Hogg. Stuart Hogg was on the outside post. The French wing is in the five-metre line. They kick across him. He walks over the line. And I'm saying, uh, excuse me, when I played, my job was to watch the last man. <laughs> that was my job. It wasn't about watching there. So how, how can you get the defence so bad? Because it's a rugby league defence system. Rugby league defence system, you got to jam in. In rugby, I used to turn and say, mate, you got him, I'll take him. But these guys don't seem to talk. And that's what I mean. I mean, knowledge is very important in life. So you can, you can go to... Um, um, you go to university and you can do history and then all of a sudden you're 50 years old, you can get a, a professor of history, can't you? I mean, if you keep on going. In rugby, I played 15 years for Australia, I have 100 caps, and I can't even coach. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> so how does that work? What, what, how does that you, work? What, why do you think, David, Union, and it, it's not just, I mean, you can barely find a defence coach at professional level in, in, in uh, around the world who's, who's, who hasn't come from league. Hmm. Um, what, why do you, why do you think Union has felt the need to take so much from league, from dropouts under the sticks, and this, that, and everything else? I mean, there are loads of examples. 
um, you know, this, the, even the scrummaging, um, something with which you were not directly uh, directly related, um, at least very often, David. I, I can't remember seeing you at tight head prop, but it's um, no. But I was, I did, I did one day pack uh, down at Blanca against Josh Cronfeld. And he looked at me and he and he laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed as well. I said, "Mate, I've got no idea what I'm doing here, but I'm here because they told me to come in here." So there we go. <laughs> no, I look. I, I think that the thing you got to realize, you know, we were we were amateurs up until '95. So '96 we go professional. So what's the closest game to rugby union? Rugby league. So we got all the defence coaches. Okay, so you got Steve Nance. Comes across. He's coaching in France. Never played a game of light rugby in his life. Les Kiss. Les Kiss was a rugby. He's he's now the coach of the Reds. Hmm. He's never played a game of rugby in his life. You've got John Muggleton, who coached the Wallabies, never played a rugby game in his life. He's coaching now, and it's all structure. It's all control, control. Well, that's not rugby, but that's all they know. All they know is structure. The next one comes around and says, guys, listen, forget the structure. If there's a gap there, run into the gap. Try. I don't really care. Go for it. If you make a mistake, get better. It's like these days you make a mistake, you're not allowed to. In life, no one's perfect. You've got to make mistakes to improve. And if you don't try, how do you know how good you can be? Look, I don't think you're going to find anybody um, on this panel who doesn't agree that the rugby leaguing, if you like, of rugby union has has been um, as has been a deficit to the game of rugby union in a big way. Um, you know, I mean, the idea of these flatline defences came about because of the change in the ruck laws. So mm. basically now what you've got is static pileups in which yep. not many people have to, none of the forwards really have to commit in order to get the ball. Mm. So it's actually an Australian dispensation, believe it or not, um, where we had, the idea of going forward in rucks and malls changed to use it or lose it. Yeah. And was the beginnings of, if you like, the rugby leaguing of, of union because mm. you started to get static, um, loose ball positions, if you like, and players were able to spread across the field and you got the flat line defence that you've got in league. And from that yep. point, concussion issues are a part of it because... Yep got two lumps or, you, you know, uh, hitting one guy, et cetera, et cetera, usually head on, whereas a lot of the yeah. tackle that you were doing was probably you, using the touchline, you know, and, and on, on mm. the uh, diagonal. So, you know, all these things have happened. They've happened on World Rugby's watches. All of us on this panel have uh, written at length about, you know, <laughs> the the, uh, the difficulties that it's caused and you know nothing happens basically because the game is predicated on money now they see where where they think that they're going to make the most money and as you say the game's beginning to atrophy i mean you're talking about the problems that, uh, in australia we've got massive problems here in terms of the numbers of uh, of of young uh, adult males dropping off the game really ma- massive yeah. well look i i think that's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because even New Zealand are struggling big time, believe it or not. Mm. They are in big trouble in New Zealand because all the kids are watching basketball now. You know, they're watching other sports. But yeah. before, like even in Australia, you go to a club here and they've got five TVs. One's got Aussie rules, one's got rugby league, one's got basketball, and one's got uh, a, um, ice hockey or something. 
Yeah, no, it's soccer in, in, in you know in your parlance is big though. Yeah. You know, I mean that's well, well uh, it is. But you know what? Why do we why do we go and get a rugby league law like a goal line dropout? What what has that got to do with rugby? Mm-hmm. Because somebody said, "Oh, this would be good for the." How's it good for the game? The thing is, if I was the referee, what I would change would be if you get an advantage in the opposition's 20 half, you've got three phases to use it. We're not going to go for 25 phases and go, oh, we haven't gone far. Let's go all the way. Really? Hmm. It's like in basketball. You know, in basketball, you've got three seconds to shoot in that circle. Yeah. Yep. But in rugby, you can have the ball for 25 minutes. You've you got want. endless advantage, basically. Yeah. You can do. And then when the referee says, oh, no, it's no good. Uh, but then, but the other thing that really annoys me, you're on your own try line. You're defending. And the referee says, oh, advantage. <laughs> I've got, mate, uh, where can these guys go? Where, where do you want them to go? They're on the line. And they always look, but they look for something. They mm. actually look for the penalty. Instead of saying, guys, just get back. Come on, get back. No, I'm the re- I, it's like Wayne Barnes. I can't stand the guy. He thinks the game's about him. It, he actually thinks it's the game's about him, and it's not. He's made so many mistakes and cost so many teams a lot, a, a win and loss. But then he's a superstar, really. Mm. And it's really frustrating because no one gives a shit about the referees. Yeah, but people these... do not go to a rugby game to watch a referee. They come Campo. to watch two countries play. Campo, I, I think Barnes is actually a, a good referee. I think a lot of the referees. Have you know they're they're stitched up by the uh, but you know by the laws that they've got to that they've got to referee oh, no. under. Oh, I agree. Under instruction basically, and if they don't if they don't adhere to the instruction, they're not going to be around. Yeah, but I mean it's it's I, I agree with that as well, and I just think that um, the 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 way the game is is played now, there's too much interference from the the guy in the TMO. You know, there's too much, oh, we should have a look at that. Just go back and there's a neck roll. What's it, mate? If you have a look at it, say, well, mate, what's he supposed to do? <laughs> Sorry, mate, I can't grab you around neck. Can I just, can you slow down so I can tackle you? Mate, these are guys that are 120 kilos. Mm. You know, and when you step, and most of the people know, like I must admit, I don't really know because I only made four tackles in 15 years, so I'm not an expert. But if you're about to tackle somebody, you get ready, you aim, and if he steps, you can't change your set. And that's where a lot of the problems have been. But the referees say, oh, mate, sorry, it's too high. I said, well, mate, circumstances, you know, have a look. And, you know, in when we were in Paris and, uh, you know, we, it was a lot of the guys who uh, Bismarck Duplessis saying, can you imagine, like, uh, the, the game now? So you're going to come to the World Cup, okay? You're from London. You're going to go over and watch England play. You get there in the first five minutes and England play his red card. And, you know, oh, shit, Okay. So and you lose, you've just spent so much money to get there, so much money to the hotel, so much this because of one red card. Now you sit there and you go, oh, really? You've come all this way. So the game of rugby is a physical sport. And the problem is the reason why it's so slow is two things. The halfback dawdles to the next ruck. He doesn't sprint. And what happens, that's why it's all slow, get your feet out of the way. But the other very interesting statistic uh, would be 99.9% of coaches in world rugby are all bloody Fords. <laughs> no, seriously, have a look. You tell me, you have a look around the world. 
Fabian Gauthier would be the exception, and Sean Edwards. No, and, um, and France Townsend. are the best-looking team to watch, aren't they? So they're, yeah. they're maybe... And, your... and Townsend, yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, everyone else is forwards. What would they help? No, they're not interested in playing running rugby. They just want to win. They just want to play as board and shit. They don't care. And the I think, you, I think David, you undersold yourself on your on your tackle count because you made that high one in the 1991 World Cup final, which was the turning point of the game, and won you <laughs> and, and won you the trophy. You played that day like a prototype Owen Farrell. Unbelievable. <laughs> but, but I didn't tackle anybody. <laughs> it just went but, high. But no, I didn't go high. What was the laws of the game back then? Oh yeah, yeah. Under the laws, it was fine back then. Oh, thank you very much. I didn't tackle anyone high, but you didn't notice. Go back and have a look at what I did, and have a look what Will Carlin did. Trump, he sort of stood on my head, but that's okay. No, no one saw that. It's fine, no. David. You, no, you of were course like, not. Of course you not. You were like Brian Lima out there that day. Pyro <laughs> <laughs> <I> practice. <laughs> we were we were so tired mentally, mate. We were lucky to actually last eighty minutes. I think. <laughs> oh, that's, it, was, it was very difficult. Campbell, as we're back in 91, you've got to tell us about mm. being the Kiwis in Dublin and your um, your try and your yep. magic pass, which I'm sure I saw you do in Hong Kong, 84, 85. I was out there one time and you won it and you were doing yeah. all that sort of stuff then. It was straight off the Hong Kong paddock. But what a match. And I mean, that, that was that was a match which really made your reputation, <laughs> wasn't it or not? No, well, that was probably towards the end of my career. I think I was about 26, 27. <laughs> um, look, uh, what happened was we, I played New Zealand 29 times. I won eight. Okay, believe it or not, that's a bloody good record. Some people have never won. So in 91, we played them in Sydney. We beat them 24-15. And we did play England, who were the triple crown, and we beat them by 40-something points. Anyway, the two weeks after that, we went back. We went to New Eden Park and played the All Blacks. We lost 6-3. So out of those 29 times, the only time I knew we would beat the All Blacks was after that game in Eden Park in 91 because I could just sense they were a bit old, they weren't the same, and a lot of those guys were there from 87. You know what I mean? Four years is a long time. Yeah. Um, and I just knew, you know, I was fortunate that more, my best rugby was always played in Europe because the – there was no pressure from the press. In Australia, mate, you made a mistake. You're on the front page, the back page. I blame you and all that. We're in Europe. It was totally different. So I was really relaxed, played. Um, and Nick Farr-Jones, this is what I talked about combinations. So Nick Farr-Jones and I played. I scored 64 tries. I think he was involved in about 49 of them. And the reason is because he knew when I called, I, he knew something was happening. So the more combinations, the easier the game is. So when I came across that angle, um, I saw JK, I saw Wet and that. And I looked outside and I had Phil Coons. I said, mate, you're not getting the ball at all. So I just ran for the corner and dived and scored. <laughs> the second one was about, um, I was actually going to kick the ball through, but it bounced up and I saw Timu. So I had to put Timu, as I stepped one way, I saw Tim coming out of the corner of my eye, I stepped that way, then stepped the back and he called and I threw the ball. So it was a pretty simple pass for him. Yeah, it was a it, it, it Brent, was a genius pass, Campo. Don't have to play it. Pass, well, I'm just telling you, Brendan, your your imitation of Campo's pass was straight over the back of your head. Yeah, sorry, it was more <laughs> Campo's more like that, pass. That's how you used to play seven. Just throw it in the air. Someone was there. But that's how we used to train. But but that's how we used to train. Yeah, you know, Bob DeWye would say, "Train the rudder, back line, off we go." 
I'll blow the whistle. I want you just to throw the ball there. Someone had to be there. Someone had to be there. That's how we used to train. Yeah, but it was. Because that's the way Bob wanted to play the game. Yeah, but you you know, in that split second, uh, Campo, I don't know how many times you've done it in training or, or whatever else. Never, never. In that split second, never. pass was uh, was something uh, yep. absolutely special. Well, it, it worked, but, it, but it, the thing is, I, I never, I never, I never practiced it at all. Believe it or not, never. No. It's like the goose step. I never practiced. I just used it. But just one of those things. The moment Tim Horan yeah. anticipated it, so not only did you come up with it, but Tim yeah. knew what you were doing. He was on the same wavelength. But the thing is, also apparently Tim said, I think someone said to him, Tim said, "I'm going. He's going to follow me through the World Cup." If you look at the Argentine game, uh, I think there was two tries. Uh, one try, he followed me. He knew. Whenever I got it, something's going to happen. Mm. So that's 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 what I mean. That's what players haven't got. They haven't got that instinct and going. Actually, I might just follow here. Something might happen. You watch what happens. Someone makes a break and they're ready for the next phase. It, it's interesting. They don't think something's going to happen. We yeah. we had um, we had Willie Anderson on uh, a couple of weeks ago, David, and he talked about the fact that he another forward. I'm afraid, but he talked about. Uh, <laughs> how excited he was about the way that two teams were playing. One's France, the other one's New Zealand. And he was talking about that ability to follow the ball, flood the gap, and actually get players in support reading each other. And not, he he said that what Ireland were doing was basically all the players reacting to what was in front of them. What they're doing is they're absolutely... A, um, a a sort of robot side in a way that they're going to get in position for the next move other than a- actually reacting to what's in front of them. But the France and New Zealand are, are, are doing that. They are playing, I suppose the word is heads up rugby or whatever. Uh, what are well, your- it, 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 but it is, I mean, you've got to understand it's, it's, it's about what the coaches allow you to do. Mm. That's the thing. It's not about the players. The players, I mean, Dupont's out, I think, he injured himself. I mean, that's a massive blow for France. Intermac. Uh, oh, no, Intermac, sorry. I mean, that's a massive blow. You know, I mean, but that's that's what happens. You know, you've got to find someone else. But if you have a look at the French B team played against Scotland, I mean, they've got some great players. Yeah. But the people don't understand. The, the World Cup's a different animal. It's not a it's not a, a test match like last week you played in Scotland. This is the Rugby World Cup. It's a different pressure, you know, and that's why combinations are vital. Sometimes something's going to happen. You're going to have to react to it. But the Kiwis um, have got some really good <clears throat> players. Uh, they've got great combinations. Um, South Africa are going to be there as well. They've got some, a very good team. And uh, France. I mean, but as I said, like Andy Farrell's a rugby league player. You know what they're going to do. <laughs> You've got to try and upset them. Don't play the way they want you. You can only play as good as your position lets you play. Mm. So if they've got a really good line of defence and say, guys, how are we going to get them to think? Right, do we have to do a chip? Do we have to do our first chip when we get the ball? Think of, oh, will they run or will they not? You've got to be smart about the game. You can't just play the game because that's what they want you to do. You know, and as I said, they don't commit a ruck. So maybe you get two of those three goes players. As you go, grab one on the ground. So there's two or three on the ground as well. So then it's an equal number. But that's all they do. You can see it's easy to, to see what their defence pattern is. And um, that's what I mean. You've got to think about if it's not working. Okay, so uh, just the – I remember in 2019 I was in London on my way to Bangkok, then to Japan. 
So the game at the airport was Ireland versus Japan. And I don't know if you remember, 60 minutes of the game, Japan's winning easily. Mm. So what do, you, what do you think Ireland did for the next 20 minutes? The last 20 minutes of that game, what do you think they actually did? What do you think the Irish team did? They probably mauled and, uh, and yeah, dropped it up, didn't they? they? They did exactly the same they did for the first 60 minutes <laughs> because they can't change the game. Nobody can change. They do what they're told, and that's what they do. They train. So when, when I lived in South Africa, um, 2000, it was 14, 15, maybe 16, uh, the, the English Saxon team came to Durban. They played uh, South Africa, uh, A-teams. And uh, Richard Hill was the manager. He came to Durban. I rang Richard, and I said, mate, is it okay if I come down and watch training? And I took my son, Jason, and uh, Danny Cipriano's playing. The England team trained for one hour and a half with not one coach, all scripted. They knew exactly every play, what was to do, and I'm sitting there going, this is bizarre because if you drop the ball, what are they going to do? What, what are they actually going to react? Oh, uh, but they didn't. They knew exactly what to do, and that's when I realised the game has changed because they're just like robots. They just have to be in a position. And that's what happens with the game. These coaches have only been taught one way. So you can't find any footage of our rugby on TV in Australia at all. There's nothing from the Grand Slam World Cup 91. There's nothing. There is no footage. It's only from 2000 and not even 15, probably 19 you might get a couple of games. That's it. There's no history here. So no one knows where we've started from, what we've done, which is sad. Yeah, that's really sad. Is, it, is there not even any footage of Gareth Chilcott hitting Nick Farr-Jones at Twickenham? Uh, no, I didn't see that either. Did it, did uh, well, no, well, well, no, did Nick Farr-Jones. <laughs> oh, well. No, well, that's, yeah, that's part of the game. Maybe maybe Nick should check it out on YouTube. It must be there somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, what you have to go and put it in. Yeah. But I mean, but I've, I've been trying, I speak to a lot of uh, John Infidel. Um, about from BBC Five, I said, mate, I'm trying to find because I was fortunate to play um, a couple of barbarian games at Leicester at Easter uh, at Christmas. You know when they had that Easter game where they had the barbarians played Leicester, and they had the, the Leicester team used to have letters uh, yep. on the back of their jerseys. Anyway, so there was one year. I don't, I'm trying to think what year it was, and I got a message about uh, probably eight months ago. What during one of the games, some guy came on the oval, climbed the goalpost, and sitting on the crossbar. And there's a photo of me laughing. This is during the game. Anyway, so the message came that the guy actually died. And I was, oh, you know, it's a sad. I remember that day. And I said to John, I said, man, I'm trying to find a copy of those games to show my son. I said, this is how it was. You know, I played one year where we had, I remember that I got to, I was playing in Italy and I had, um, um, Ackford, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Paul Ackford. Paul Ackford? Yeah, the yeah. big uh, copper. Yeah. He picked me up from the airport. He picked me up from the airport and drove me to Leicester and his wife, Susie. And then at the end, Susie said, actually, you're not a bad bad guy. And I said, no, I don't think I am. Because every because I was an Aussie and everyone thought I was a bit of an asshole. She was just, oh, no, you're a pretty guy. I said, yeah, thanks. That's very kind of you. Anyway, so we played. And the back line was, um, it was uh, Frank Manel, Dennis Charvet, Jean-Baptiste Lafon. You know, that was a great back line. You know, we had a great time. And um, I remember before the game, um, I was marking Rory and uh, Rory Underwood's wife come and said, David, please do us a favour. 
Uh, please don't embarrass uh, Rory. <laughs> oh, God, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so in the second half, I was burning down the sideline. Rory's come along, so I've stopped. He's right in front of me and I scored up to the post. So I said, shit, I don't think she's going to be having that. Um, <laughs> but, then the, but, then, but then the next year I played um, and uh, we had Les Cusworth and Dusty Hare was playing. So under the goalpost, I get the ball, our ball, I step uh, Les, I come up and there's only Dusty, um, uh, Dusty Hare and all of a sudden someone's tripped me from behind. And I've got bloody, who's that? And then Les said, mate, I didn't want you to make a fool of my mate. And I said, that's okay, no worries. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was Rory Underwood's wife. <laughs> no, probably not, no. But that's, I mean, that's the spirit of the game. That's how we play, you know. I mean, it's just part of those games are great games because everyone's there for a lot of fun and you do things that you don't normally do. But that's, you know, even trying to get footage of that stuff. I mean, people would love to see yeah. All that action, the fun we had, but they don't. They don't there's that's no bit, footage. That's a great story, actually, David, because that makes you the only wing in history not to run round dusty hair. <laughs> well, well, true. <laughs> uh, even though he was about forty years old by the time I got to play against him, that's not too bad. <laughs> well, what we have got yeah. footage of, David, is you doing your keepy uppy. You know when they did the hacker in '91, mm. and you're off in yep. the corner mm. doing a bit of keepy yep. uppy. Was that, was that predetermined or were you just so pissed off with it you just thought you'll take yourself away from this nonsense and and no, just... well you've got to realize I, I started in 82 so I've been watching the Harker since 82 to 91 and uh, we weren't told anything sp like now okay we want to do the the boomerang or we want to do the arrow I mean really who cares I mean the whole idea of the Harker is for the crowd it's for them to show it's a, it's a it's a challenge. So if you have a look over the years, the Huck has been to a home, that was it. So compared now, it's like, you know, it's a different different animal. Um, but we were we were just uh, allowed to do what we wanted to do. So I just thought in the World Cup, it's bloody cold in Ireland. So I just kicked the ball around. If you have a look behind, Nick Farjoge was actually about five or six metres behind the team as well. It was not a big, you know, I think it's great for the game. But I dislike it now because they want you to do it, then – We'll, we'll sing sweet low while we while they do. I said, if you want them to do it, let them do it, and you do what you want to do, yeah. you know. But in those days, I, I just said, well, I'm not going to stand around. I mean, I, I, Mark, as I said, I've played them 29 times, so really, I could have played them. It. Exactly, yeah. But you're almost yeah. back to They've your got... coaching point. You have to be coached how to receive the hacker. You have to stand perfectly still. Mm. You can't move. You can't smile. You can't do it. You oh. can't advance. You can't go back. It's all coached. Well, but if you look at Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga, they all do the same as well. Mate, I think it's great for the game. That's 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 their tradition. Why should we lose tradition because someone doesn't like it, you know? But just but as I said, you know what you yeah. want to do as well. Well well freedom of speech, mate. That's what I'm that's what I'm claiming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a jog around the field, that's the best answer. Oh yes, yeah. Especially when you win, it's great, yeah. <laughs> Would you do the same today, Saka, then? Uh, well, it depends on what, what the team does. As I said, the team, we did what we wanted to do. And I don't know if you saw, but we played, uh, I think it was 92, we played at Ballymore, and, and uh, Sam Scott Young winked at one of the all-black forwards. <laughs> so that's what I mean. So they, they, you always get the forwards, mate. They all think they're bigger than what they are. 
Uh, yeah, whatever the team has to decide, mate, we do what the team does. You know, but back then there was no real set, this is what we have to do. Um, and, you know, all the other ones I used to, to watch, so, yeah. But I'm just glad we won because otherwise I would have been a bit of shit. But it's quite interesting because I've got a video where um, I think it was 2015, uh, we're in a, some guy decided to put a picture, the, an artist, and he picked the world's greatest 15. And um, the Harker was done. So Sean Fitzpatrick and Zinni actually performed the Harker for me, to myself, in this video because I didn't face them in 91. So. <laughs> But that's that's what me. But that's that's the fun. That's that's what rugby's about, mate. That's why we've lost a lot of that. You know, I mean, we've just lost a lot of that camaraderie. You know, you're playing against guys. You know, Stu Wilson, who I had no idea who I was. Mark in '82, we're all good mates. And I saw Will Carlin with um, uh, Robert Jones last week on Twitter, mate. But that's what it is. Most of my friends are overseas. You know, because I travelled the world. I lived everywhere. Um, you know, rugby is a very unique sport, but I don't think people, the administrators, understand what sort of sport we had, and it's very sad. One thing we spoke about very briefly the other day was during the rugby <laughs> championship, um, the Caparo Pango, which is the controversial huckle with the slow throat slit gesture that <clears> was taken out, has kind of seemingly made a return, um, very subtly. And it was a Ardi and maybe it was against the Wallace. Is he that you know went full? No, no, it was against. It, no, he did against the uh, the rebels. He got uh, sort no, of no, sent no. off. Well, oh, that's sorry, but as in during the hacker for New Zealand, yep. he went, you know full send with the throat slit gesture, and I yeah. just made of that. It's sort of making a return, still being a part of the Capra. Yeah, look, I just think it's look to me. I don't really. It, it didn't really bother me. I mean, they can dance and do what they like. You know, we're there to play rugby. You know, as long as we win, I don't care what they do. They can do it 25 if they like. Um, but that's just the way, you know, if the IRB allows them to do it, let them do it, you know. I mean, it's part of people. I actually believe now in rugby, I think the only time the All Blacks should do it when they're at home. Because if you go to Cape Town, South Africa, uh, it's like an All Black home test. <laughs> because all the coloreds back then supported in the apartheid, supported the All Blacks. So yeah, I don't mind them doing it. If they want to do it, they can do it. You know, Maybe if they make the World Cup final, if they want to do it, great. But if you let them do it, let them do it in silence. And then if you want to sing whatever, you sing whatever. Mm. But have respect for both teams, not just because, you know, swinging Sweet Chariot at Twickenham, they're doing the Harker. I said, well, that's, well, you want them to do it, but then you want to drown them out by singing what you want to sing. So be realistic, you know. I'm, I'm for everybody to enjoy the game, but if they want to do it, mate, go for it. David, could I just pick your brains a little bit more on this current <laughs> squad? Let's sort of return yep. to 2023. We've touched upon Skelton. Mm. One thing that concerns me about him being captain, and when I was watching that live feed, my my jaw kind of dropped at the at, at the at the choice just because I said to you on the phone, I thought Jones would go with someone left field. He'd go that far left. Do you see a leader? I know he plays his rugby in France. My concern is he'll never play a full 80, which a guy that size, it would be a big ask for him to play 80 minutes. Do you see a leader in him? Look, uh, um, if I, I think when you like my experience at World Cups is um, you need someone who under pressure is going to take control. 
And I don't think Skelton, I've watched him play and he's not a leader. He doesn't lead by example. Um, and as you said, will he last 80 minutes? Look, it's hard. You've got young number nines, uh, young 10. Uh, you've got a backline of really individuals and not really uh, connected, if you know what I mean. They don't play as a unit. They're all individuals the way they play. Um, look, you know, Hooper, who hasn't played his best rugby for the last couple of years, but still should they have taken him as captain because, again, you know, he's played 100 and some 25 tests. So it's not too bad to play that many, but then just to leave a guy out. Quay Cooper, on the other hand, you know, if you look at that last test, he dropped the last ball that they got the scrum and kicked the guy to win. So you go, well, mate, you know, he he's a good player, but the problem was probably too high risk. Um, again, uh, Slipper was captain. Um, so I actually, I don't know what Eddie... Eddie's um, thought was, but Eddie's always like that. He always picks someone who's probably lazy, a bit lazy and says, mate, you're captain now. So it probably makes him want to play better. That's what he's hoping. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, again, there's, there's, there's not, um, if you look at that scrum, uh, the forwards, there, there's a lot of individuals, not a team. You know, if you look at the two locks, you know, if you look at Ackerman and um, Dooley, you look at those history. You look at uh, Retallick and Whitelock. Uh, if you look at uh, Etherbeth and the other, like they've, they've got combinations. The French are the same. The English the same. But that's that's what you need in big games. You need guys to, to support each other. Um, so I think, you know, just say Skelton does go off, who's he going to make captain? I, you know, I'm, I'm quite interested in this in the skeleton thing. I think he's been uh, given a hospital pass. I don't think there's any question about that. He hasn't captained anybody uh, up till now, I don't think. But I sort of, I get uh, something about it. I do think he leads by example, skeleton. I think that mm. the performances he's put in um, for La Rochelle over the car, you know, obviously they're the they're, they're the European champions. And I think that the performances that they uh, put in, he's been absolutely central to them. And he has played mm. eight minutes in those games. I'm I'm pretty sure both those finals, he mm. he pretty well seen them out. I think he's a um, he's a real force of nature. And the other thing is is that he understands, having spent now three or four years in France, he understands mm. France. Yeah. Or, of France, so I think that that's probably why, and probably speaks French to a degree as well. So I think yeah. that, that well, is... that's but that's but that's very smart because we don't know that out here. So okay, okay, do you know what I mean? Like you've seen him, yeah, and that's why players. I remember. I must admit. Sorry, I'll go back. I remember in 80, 80, um, 1984, um, I was in Queanbeyan down in Canberra playing in eighty three. And then 80, 82, 83, and then I played in Canberra and I played for a club called Queanbeyan against West. And there was this Welsh guy called Ackerman playing for West. This is 1984. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, every time I pass the ball, he absolutely whacked me. I'm going, what is your story, you know? <laughs> but, what, but what happened was, and it happened with Moriarty in 82, 81, the, the Welsh would send out a couple of players knowing Australia is going to come to Europe so they'd work out who the players are. So Moriarty went to Sydney, where all the best players are. So Ackerman played in, in Canberra. So anyway, so when I played for Wales, there he is. 
So what they did, they'd come back and say, right, these are the players. This, this. So it's like a scouting thing. Yeah. So maybe maybe Skelton's the same. Skelton's played in France. <clears throat> maybe because uh, Eddie says, mate, basically you're a lazy bum. I'm going to give you captain. You want to, I want you to prove yourself. So he, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Eddie plays with your minds. Um, <clears throat> he, the famous story is that um, um, oh, I'm just trying to think of his halfback. Um, played for England. Um, played for Saracens. Oh, Ben no, no, no. This is uh, 2003 Rugby World Cup. There was Kieran Matt Bracken. Dawson and Kieran Bracken. Bracken. That's right, yeah. So, anyway, so Kieran and I spent a lot of time to, with each other. And a couple of years ago, we were in uh, Leicester and went back to London. And he, he was at Saracens when Eddie was coach. And, um, and he was talking about Eddie, you know, and he said that one day um, after the game, Kieran Bracken's walking off and the announcer says, and the player of the day is Kieran Bracken. So he's very proud walking off. Eddie Jones comes up to him and says, mate, I see your dad picked you as man of the match, eh? And they just walk <laughs> off. So Kieran's there going, oh, shit. He's like, I really deserve that. You know, that's what he does. He's a, he plays. And I think, didn't he play? Didn't he coach England and give Dylan Hartley the captaincy? He was a bad boy. Yeah, that's, that's what he does. He likes, he likes that. He mm. likes doing that. He wants people to say, mate, what the hell? Don't worry, mate. It's all right, mate. Oh, I know what I'm doing. He does know what he's doing. He's not stupid, mm. but I just think the problem is you've got to go into a World Cup with a world-class goal kicker because if you don't, it's one kick can lose you a game, you know, and that's that's vital. If you have a look, the French guy never misses. You know, some of these kickers don't miss goals at all, you know, so that's – Mawunga doesn't miss either. Mm. So you've you, got that. You could argue, David, that the Springboks don't, are, are going to go in without um... – Without a frontline kicker, you know, because they've well, got Kevin Colby kicking. You've got um, yeah, Faf de Clerc I still don't know if Pollard's going. It's who knows. He they said that um, someone else has done a calf muscle. <clears throat> it's amazing the calf. So uh, I'm not sure if Pollard. They said he might be. Are they playing Scotland in the in the games? New Zealand, South Africa. Are they got Scotland? Yeah. They got Ireland. Yeah, they got Scotland, South yeah. Africa. Yeah, yeah. I believe, I believe they said he might be ready for that game. So who knows? But I mean, like you know, when you haven't played a lot of rugby, I mean, it's it's you know, World Cups are a different animal, as you know. Is that to say, with your goal kicking concerns, David, that you feel that uh, Quaid would be a world class goal kicker for Australia now? Because no, no, no. Okay. I think the problem with Quaid was um, he hasn't played enough in Australia. Um, and I think last year he played, and again, he throws those 30-metre cutouts, and the only person who read the ball was the Japanese player who scored under the post. <laughs> so, you know, it's not you, – you can't do that. You, look, I, I think if somebody got hold of him early and said, mate, listen, so this is the problem when you've got flair players. And the other guys uh, who flair play is Willie LaRue. If Willie LaRue played for any other country, he'd be the number one superstar in the world. But because he played in South Africa, very structured, they don't know what he's going to do. So he's got to try and create all the time. Where if you're a creator, you need people to give you angles. If you run a cross field, that's demonstrating, mate, I want you to give me a short ball. That's what you learn, you know. And uh, when we were playing with the Ellers, you know, the amount of tries would just change an angle. You know, I said to Gary Ella when I was playing the back line, I said, mate, you throw the ball into space, I'll get there. Can you imagine guys saying that now? It would never happen. But that's how we used to play. That's how we used to read the game. And who, that's are the what I mean. wings, who are the great wings now, David? 
Now, well, I yeah. think you've got uh, Colby's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you've got Jordan, who's scoring tries left, right, and center. You've got um, Penner. Uh, the, the, yeah, the French, the French uh, winger. Yep. Uh, then you've got, um, uh, look, I, I think that's Caleb, uh, Brown, uh, Clark. Caleb Clark's not a bad player for New Zealand when he gets, if he gets ball. Um, Corabetti is a different sort of player. He's a rugby league player. He runs very strong, but he hasn't got the smarts, probably not the right word, but his knowledge of rugby is not great, if you know what I mean. He's a league player uh, playing. Um, look, I don't know if England's got that young guy who, who they brought on tour last year, the guy who plays... Um, Henry Arundel. The, yeah, is he in the squad at all? He's in the squad, but they don't ever pass to him, so we don't know if he can do it. So yet, what, but... what's, what's you... Well, it's probably the same as Rory Underwood. He played no one passing the bloody ball. <laughs> so why have wingers? Why have wingers? If you've got someone who's got... Ta- mate, I'll be there just say, mate, off you go, let's follow. If you've got it, someone who's got talent, you give it, him the ball the and say, of... mate... It was the name, David, of the famous George Harrison album, wasn't it? All things must pass brackets except the England back division. Well, if you think about 91 World Cup again, you go and have a look. Rory Unwell got the ball in the first minute. He had no idea what to do with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you go back, you've got to go back the week before when they played Scotland. So they played Scotland, which is a ball, when, when Gavin Hastings couldn't kick a goal or save his life. Um, and we were in Ireland and we are watching this game. And it was pretty bad. I think it was 9-3 or 9-6. Yeah. Anyway, so after the game, the commentator said, oh, we just this, just go into the English dressing room. We've got a special presentation. And there's Will Carlin says, today was Rory Underwood's 50th test and gave him the match ball. I'd said to the guys, it's the first time you've seen it today. <laughs> <laughs> but then he comes to the final. He actually gets the ball in the first minute. He goes, oh, shit, what do I do with this? <laughs> so... You know, they, they the problem was with England 91, we beat them that year by 43 points in Sydney. They tried to run the ball then. So, it did, no, they tried to play their style. It didn't work. That's why when they got to that final, they tried a few different things. And I must admit, they played some pretty good rugby. But when you have been starved of the ball all the time, where, like, uh, Gus got the ball, he tried to do everything himself. There was no teamwork. And uh, that's what I think their biggest problem was. I mean, they played a lot better than us, but we were just lucky to defend and, and just keep them out, you know. You mentioned that moment, uh, going back to the Quaid Cooper thing, um, and I felt was very Eddie Jones, was that moment where he knocked on against the All Blacks and they obviously went on to Mm. win. When Eddie was with England, we saw instances where we had a guy called Alex Ozofsky who missed a tackle against Japan Mm. who then got hooked and he never played for England again under Eddie and still hasn't played since. Danny Kerr was out of an England shirt for like five years after he had a... Poor start to a game against Australia, got hooked on 30 minutes and then he was done. Did you feel that, well, I guess what I'm asking is not drop that ball? Do you think he would have been in the squad? Do you think it's a very sort of Eddie just pull the trigger at seeing a moment like that? Yeah, look, again, we don't know what Eddie, we don't know what coaches think. You know, I mean, it's it's a lot. As I said, if you ask what sort of style of rugby we play, I've got to, I've got no idea. I actually sit there, I've got no idea what we're trying to achieve. You know, uh, at least when we played, we had a great back line. We had a good forward pack, great back line, great flankers. Um, you could play to a style. You knew there's someone always there. Now, it's the ball goes to the back. Um, you've got Callaway, who's a good player, but he doesn't pass the ball. Then you've got um, Mark on the other wing, who I would play at 13. He was a winger at the moment, but he's, he, he's very hard to tackle. I don't know if you know that they can't tackle him. 
he runs good angles, I'd put him at 13. Because if you can go at 13, suck two players and create space. But the problem is they do not pass the ball. Who would you put at 13? Uh, Mark, um, the Maka, uh, well, he's played, yeah, he's a very hard, he's a Fiji name. Well, he plays for Australia at the moment. He scored two Sorry? again. The one who scored two against Wales in the awesome. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, Mark. Yeah, Marky. Yeah, yeah they call him Marky Marks because they can't pronounce his name. Yeah. But anyway, he's he's he runs good angles, but he doesn't pass the ball. And the problem is, in the back line, you've got to pass the ball to somebody. Like, because that's what a back line is. You've got to have the combination. And that's the problem. They're individuals. So the biggest thing that might beat Australia is they're not a team. Mm. When the pressure's on, some guy's not going to pass the ball. Yeah. He's going to think he can score himself. And you cannot do that at that international level. Well, it'd be interesting. That's the, that's the scary part. You know? Because you've got Australia who aren't a team and you've got England who aren't a team and you've got Wales who are sort of um, trying to cobble together a team as well. So uh, it's a uh, a pretty interesting half of the draw. Well, I think you also got to realise that um, I see the Welsh have got to, you know, why would Wales go back to Gatlin? I, I actually don't understand what's wrong with rugby. It's like soccer now, football. The coach gets sacked, he goes in this circle and gets another job. He gets sacked, he goes to another job. I t- can I tell you a very interesting story? You, you obviously heard of a guy called uh, uh, Craig Johnson, football player for Liverpool. Yeah. Okay, He's um, he lives down at Newcastle. Um, that's where he's from. At 14, he went overseas to get a foot- uh, to play football. Anyway, so in 1984, Grand Slam, uh, we were in London and Alan Jones took the team off to watch a football game and there's Liverpool, Rush, Barnes, Johnson. You know, and um, so I heard the name then. Anyway, so we, we became good mates. Anyway, he was telling this interesting story. It's, it's basically saying about sport. What you've got to do in sport, follow the money. Follow where the money finishes up and there's your problem, you know. And um, he was saying that one of his coach friends was coaching, got a job in Portugal. Anyway, so this coach, I don't know who he was, ended up in Portugal and he started to to talk and he said, well, I'm sorry, I don't speak Portuguese. So the physio said, well, mate, I speak a bit of English. I don't know if you've heard this story. Anyway, so off he went. So the whole year the physio interpreted this, what the coach would say, but the, the physio's never played soccer in his life. So what happened at the end of the year, he wins a championship, then he goes to Barcelona. So now this team in Portugal for the coach. And the physio said, well, I can coach. Do you know who that guy was? <laughs> Do you know who he was? No. Go on. Mourinho. Mourinho. Yeah. Never, ever, ever played a game of football in his life. And there he is now. He's one of the best coaches in the world. And as as uh, Craig says, you watch what he does at the ground. He shouts like this. And the managers, the boss is saying, oh, geez, he's very passionate, isn't he? But that's what they do. They just show that they know what they're doing. So it's quite interesting. Anyone can coach anyone now. You can go and coach if you like. Just show, turn up and say, well, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. So how can that happen in the world? Fake <laughs> it until you make it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, but that's, that's um, and that, that's where I think, you know, I, I, I think England had a massive problem when Eddie left. Um, Borshaw was the coach, isn't he? If you go back to when Martin yeah. Johnson was coach, Borthwick, so when Martin Johnson was coach, he left. Who got the job? Robinson. How long did Robinson last? Because he wasn't the head coach. Some people are head coaches, some aren't. Mm. 
so that's the problem. You know, you you think of coaches are, you know, uh, what what are you looking for in a coach? I mean, you've got a lot of experienced players there. For him, Toji's a good player, but he's lazy. He's lazy. He thinks he's a superstar now. These guys haven't got that killer instinct which they used to have because now it's they've been around a long time. So how are you going to get their enthusiasm back? You know, because now they're elder statesmen. You've got to treat them a bit better because they're elder. Hey, that's that's the problem with coaching. In coaching, you've got so many different personalities. You've got to know how to handle all of them, and that's that's a massive thing. And that's where I think the French is um, uh, um, doing well because he's was a player. He's been through, and now he's coaching the team that he's got. He's given them the skills to play a style of rugby. You've mentioned a few times combinations you mentioned as well, hmm. players that are followed by players. You know, Tim Horan was following you, for example, on the New Zealand front, and Will Jordan. Um, is there any combination in that Australia squad, that backline you just mentioned, Mark Nawang and Nitawasi, is he maybe a player that Australia should be seeking to follow because he makes things happen if he's deployed in the right way? Well, the problem is he's stuck on the wing. I'd put him at 13. So if you put him at 13, now you're going to create havoc because... If you have a look at the way he runs, he does run on certain angles. See, the whole back line, most of them run straight or try and run around the outside. So it's so easy to defend. But when you run in different angles, um, if you look at the last couple of games, but they struggle to tackle him. But what he's got to do is, and this is the biggest problem with rugby, is now when a guy runs, he puts the ball under the arm. So he's demonstrated the opposite. He ain't going to pass the ball. If you have a look at that try of 91, I scored running sideways. I had the ball there, then I took the ball in two hands. So they didn't, wasn't sure was I going to pass it or kick it. As soon as you shove the ball under the arm, you're demonstrating you're not going to pass it. So that's how I look at, you know, as I said, like as a player, that's when I marked Rory. I knew Rory was a very good in and out. He couldn't chip, he couldn't pass. So I knew he couldn't step. So I knew I had to get a try and get him probably a bit more on one on one. If I gave him too much room, he ran around them. But these guys these days, they just put the ball under the arm and they just try and score themselves. But that's what—that's just a bit of experience and that's that's what we know that we're not allowed to coach. We're not allowed to be involved because, I don't know, just probably too much knowledge. Would that excite you if they put him at 13? Is that the only thing in that Australia backline line information you could see that would excite you should they do it? Yeah, well, I think uh, the, the number... So our problem is we haven't got a number rate that can pass... Valentino's a good player, but he can't pass the ball. Now, if you look at, you know, the, the way that, again, I look at games, okay, years ago you had Smith for New Zealand, uh, Kieran Reid, Dan Carter. If, as of your position, you say, mate, you've got to watch 9, 8, and 10. You've got no idea what's going to happen. Okay, you look at Australia, now you've got um, Tate McDermott, I think is a very good player. You've got Valentino, you say, well, he can't pass. Don't worry about him, he can just run. And we'll just say number 10. That's how I would look at the fence. So don't worry about number eight because you can't pass a ball. So that's where you, you put the you focus, the, the pressure on. Um, Tate McDermott's a good player, but the problem is they don't like because you can't kick. He's not a kicker. He's a runner. So maybe 20 minutes to go in the game, he's probably best. But, you know, again, the wingers, the, the wingers got to have – when I played, I said with Nick Farr-Jones or my halfback, I always told him, even with Michael Lyon, I said, mate, I'm just here if you need me. Just look for me. I'll call. The more you talk, communicate, the game is easy. These guys don't talk, you know. I mean, it's just interesting watching and training, watch these guys. 
They don't talk to each other. They're just like robots. They just run into positions, you know, um, and, and that's, that's where the game has changed. It's all about they're just told what to do and they do it. Campo, you, you sound like you've got a, a lot of um, coaching passion in you. If, if Steve Borthwick picked up the phone and said, probably not now, but maybe after the World Cup, said, come up and, 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 and work with my backs for the next two years, would you up sticks and come up? Oh, I'd love to. No, I'd have to. I mean, I, I'll tell you, 1999 World Cup, I was at uh, Twickenham watching England versus Fiji. I don't know if you guys, it was a really freezing day and Fiji lost because I couldn't catch the bloody ball. It was too cold. So I was, I was in the IRB box, or English rugby, and I had Bill Beaumont and Frank Cotton. And I said to the guys, listen, I would love to be involved with coach your backs if you want to. <clears throat> Didn't even think about it. But I'd love to. I would love. You ask uh, Brian Ashton, who I've done some coaching with out here. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I mean, so. the, yeah, the, 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 the knowledge I've got. <clears throat> and people think you're going to run the ball from dressing. I said, man, I wouldn't do that. All you've got to do is give the players the skills to play a certain style of rugby. Then they've got to try and find the way. If they make a mistake, make great. Then you learn. You've got to make mistakes in life to get better. You're not. No one's a superstar. You can't just play well every game. You, you know, and I keep on think, saying, sorry, 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 David. Do, do you think that the game at some point, um, you know, the sort of arc is long, but it in the end mm. it will come back to your way of thinking. And you mentioned Brian Ashton, who during his time mm. with England had some success. He had some heavy falls. Um, yep. Got to a, got to a World Cup final and all that kind of thing. That the last game, the last game he he coached England in before getting the unceremonious shove, mm. which actually, as you all know, is one of the worst things I've ever seen in in, in rugby. The way that was done, um, he, they stuck thirty odd points on Ireland. But he mm. was he was asking players. Uh, to do things or to develop a mental approach, which there was quite a bit of resistance from some of them because they Why? wanted the diagram on the board. They wanted process. They wanted to know what was expected of them in this area of the field at this point. And if somebody said to them, play what's in front of you, lads, I can't play the game for you, they didn't like it very much. And that seems to Did be you the general thrust of what you're saying and that that's what's wrong with things at the moment. Well, did you watch the uh, World Championship by the 20s? Yeah. Recently. Did you see the size of that French guy? Well, no, I'm just saying, did you, did you see the size of him? He was huge, yeah. Okay. Did you see anyone try and tackle his legs? No, no. they don't. They go high, don't they? Well, well, exactly. Why would you go high to someone like – you need someone low to chop him down and after about five tackles, he's hitting the deck. So I'm not going to do that again. But they, but, but, they all want to go but, high. But with that, with that French team, David, what, what, the thing yeah. that really let down at me wasn't the giant guy that everyone was talking mm. about. The thing that was the rugby smarts that the scrum half had, that the ten had, that mm. the inside centre who was two stone dripping wet uh, had, mm. that the flankers yep. uh, played with in 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 space and with and with all the facilities of the old sort of the old style flankers that you were talking about earlier. Um, that was yeah. what really struck me that they were they in, just in skill levels and adventure they had taken the game on. Well, I don't know if you if you can um, try and go on YouTube and try and find out um, try and watch a game called the Fijian Women's Druid Team versus New South Wales last year and Queensland this year. So what happened was they've got this women competition. So last year the Druid Fijian team won the whole thing. 
okay? But what they did was they played, got tackled, offloaded in tackles. So what happened, the defence could not <laughs> – they just kept on going backwards. So, so they won last year. Okay, so this year they won again. But then I found out there were 14 new players this year that didn't play last year in the same team, and they won easy because they're offloading. So I went to the Queensland guys. I said, guys, um, this is the second year in a row they've done that. Don't you think we should try and learn? <laughs> so they set the standard. But no one, oh, no, that, we're going to do what we're going to do. And I've gone, guys, that's the trend. The only way to upset a, a line in defence is to offload where they can't adjust. So they've got to keep on going backwards and backwards and backwards. But these players aren't skilled enough because they never practiced, number one, to try and do that. They've been taught the same things all the time. It's like watching a barbarian game these days. It's a load of rubbish. They just play so structured. It's all the same what they do normally. Why would you want to run into people? Play the game. But again, you've got to need, you're going to have to get the people to understand this is how I coach. This is what we're going to do. Because older guys like me, we know a certain style. But you get a 21 year old, he's got no idea what we, how we play. All he's known is, Structure, structure, structure. I want the pods here. I want the two flankers here. So my son last year played for the um, trial down to 15 reds. And um, he was, I was at the end of the oval in my car. He was at the other end, got the ball, dummy switch 12, give the 13, loop 13, go to the fullback, scored the other end. Pretty simple. So on the way home, he's gone, Dad, did you see the three-on-three drill we did? I said, no. So it was a three-on-three drill. So he got the ball, ran, passed. About to loop a second guy, and the coach is like, what are you doing? I'm looping. I don't want you to do that. <laughs> but in the game, he did. And the thing is, so the coach didn't explain why. So what happens now, all these coaches are educators. So you, as you a coach, you, go, you can't coach what you want to coach because they'll say, well, what are you doing? I said, well, no, no, we don't do that anymore. We've got a pod system here. We've got a pod system. So my son went to training. Okay. Played number 10, not one coach spoke to him, not one coach. So during the training session, they, they had their pods. So I was on the sideline and the ball came out to the wing. It wasn't the winger. The guy took the ball up and only one pod was there. So the winger went in to, you know, to block the ball. Coach, what are you doing in there? I don't want you in there, mate. Get out. You guys, mate, you, you should be here in every part of the game. You three stick together. Instead of saying, coach, to the winger, mate, mate, I love the initiative, but I'd really want you out to score tries. I don't want you in there, but he said, I don't want you to get out. And I'm sitting there going, but that's all they coach. They can't coach. They just do what they're told to do. And you sit there and go, you know, what, what, what? kids don't even know how to do a loop. They don't even know how to do a switch. They do nothing because they don't see it. All they do is just see guys running, Blocking, ball behind. I remember in our day, in 84 Grand Slam, we played against Cardiff. It's um, the old Cardiff, um, the number two. We used to have a move. Mark Ellie got the ball, passed the ball to Michael Liner. Michael Liner would pass the ball behind number two. We got penwise for obstruction. The ball went behind someone's back. Now you've got five players, and that's not obstruction. Oh, wow. So that's the problem. The problem is they're changing the laws. It's not making our game better. No. You know, that's why the French need to win the World Cup because if they win the World Cup, every other country's going to say, shit, this is the way we've got to play now. If they don't, that's we're going to play the same, number, yeah. you know. 
the same stuff. We don't want that. We need to entertain if you want to be in the world well stage, especially in Australia where we've got these other – we've got four football games. So unless we do well, you know, we're going to struggle. David, we're just I'm just wondering about time. How are you how are you doing? Mate, it's uh seven thirty at night, mate. I've got all night if you want. <laughs> and, and and I've got and I've got about this is my bar, so I've got a bottle, I've got a couple couple of bottles here, mate, so I'll just go for it. Listen, oh. Campo. It's uh, Campo, it's great to see you, mate. I've I've actually got to uh I've I've got a meeting that I've got to go to. So um Oh thanks. Don't worry about me, mate. I'm I'm in the stray at night time. You just go and have a great day, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Very much, mate. Calvo, that, that, that's a, that's another dumb that's another dumb forward you've seen off, David. <laughs> I'll, try and have a, I'll try and have a great day, mate. Okay. Okay. You too. Nice to meet you. All the best. See you, mate. Anyway. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Campo, are we good to do your quick fire question section very quickly? Yeah, go for it. Yep. Let's get straight. I haven't in. looked at the questions, but I'll just answer them. Yeah, we can do it. All. <laughs> Perfect. Nickname. Okay. Nickname: yeah. uh, Wonder Boy or Blunder Boy? No. <laughs> <laughs> or Campo? They call me Campo. My son's called Campo as well. I've got no idea why he's got my nickname, but unfortunately, when you get old, you lose certain things. So yeah. Best rugby memory. Um, best rugby memory would be um, I'm not just representing Australia. Nice. Oh, that's really nice. Most embarrassing rugby. <laughs> Most embarrassing rugby memory. Um, uh, most embarrassing rugby memory would be. Uh, I don't think it's embarrassing. Uh, look, uh, I don't think I was ever embarrassed, mate. No. High tackle at Twickenham. <laughs> that wasn't a high tackle. <laughs> I knocked the ball down. How is that embarrassing? You still didn't win, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> See what see what I'm gonna put up with. You ask me a question and I get abused for it. <laughs> pre-game tune. <laughs> Sorry? What's pre-game tune? What song would you listen to before a game? Tune. Oh mate, I never listened to music. No. What the, the routine was um first in the dressing room, first to get strapped, first to get uh massaged, and last to run out. That was oh. it. Is that because the massage lasted so long, David? Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Post-game meal? Post-game meal? Uh, depends. If it was club rugby, it was uh, chilli chips. For some reason, I craved uh, chips because um, I know it's supposed to be quick, but we when I was going through the system, um, the club train that ran, we got to just have twisties, which is a, a sweep before training. Um, after games, but um, I got into a thing called buckwheat, and there was uh, miso. This guy, and after games, mate, I was so high that I used to have chili chips for some reason. I got no idea. So that was that was when I was just playing club rugby. Yeah, uh, best player you've played against. <clears throat> this is a difficult one because I played fifteen years. So. Um, I tell you, one of the guys who I thought was unbelievable was a guy called Jean Baptiste Lafon. So and so is Blanco. They were great players. Best player you've played with? Uh, look, it's again uh, probably Mark Eller, miles ahead of everybody. Favorite player right now? 
Uh, right now, I, I would go for Dupont or I would go for Colby. Favourite stadium? Uh, the favourite stadium for me is the Sydney Cricket Grounds. Um, and you've got to understand in Australia, I come from a, a public school background. My dad was Italian, never played sport. And in the in the sixties when I was born, guys, sixties, seventies uh, and eighties, uh, the Sydney Cricket Ground where all the rugby league games were played, um, all the crickets, everything was played there. So when I got to play for Australia, we played in the same dressing room as Don Bradman played. Yeah. So the dressing rooms are still the same. So walking into that as a, as a kids, watching these superstars, mate, it was just like a, a fairy tale come true. Favorite gym exercise? Uh, gym exercise. Um, well, my wife uh, I met in South Africa, um, and I was doing a hip exercise. So I'd have to say hip hip exercise because then we end up getting married. So there. <laughs> <laughs> Occupation if rugby didn't exist. If rugby didn't exist, oh mate, I'd be probably still in the sawmill in Queenie, I think. <laughs> Superstitions. You mentioned the strapping first. Oh, there's mate. There's a lot. There's a lot of superstitions. There was um, uh, wash the car on Saturday. Um, well, before a match. Wow. Well, this is not a not a test match, but normal oh. test matches are different. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, just um, uh, I just do the same routine. So get to the game. Um, last to run on. Uh, I made sure after games I stay in the paddock and just sign autographs and. Um, that's before and after. Um, I, I went to Italy in 1984. And um, anyway, so I think it was about 87, 88, I went to Bellasconi in Milan and Mark Geller was the coach. And I used to just have fruits for, for, for the game and all the Italians would be eating anything. And then I used to strap my arms and my ankles. Anyway, so one day I didn't play and uh, I went to dress and help and Mark Geller said, listen, if I ever see you strap one more bit of your body, I'll kill you. I said, why? Have a look. And there's the Italians. All of them are strapping. <laughs> and, and then they, they would eat what I was eating before games because it worked for me. They got like, this is obviously, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it was bloody hilarious. And I just said, okay, I won't. But that's how they work because I was, it was working for me. They all thought this is what we got to do, you know. So I would eat just yogurt and fruit and honey before a game, and it didn't really work for that. <laughs> but that's that's how it worked, yeah. Two more. Rugby law you would change? Um, there'd be a couple of things I'd change. I would change that um, no advantage. Uh, if you get the advantage in the 22 or half, you've got three phases to use it or lose it. And the other law I would change, get rid of this, get rid of the goal line dropout and get rid of the 50-20 law. Go back to what rugby was about. Not, And I'll, I'll tell you one thing I would really do for the forwards, no lifting in line outs. <laughs> if you're a good jumper, you're a good jumper. You don't have to be lifted. Mate, you can lift a dwarf up and catch it and he's a good jumper. That's not what rugby's about. Love about skill. Yeah. should be skill. Best thing about working in rugby? We've worked in rugby, meeting people. Um, my my knowledge and friendships 
uh, around the world, uh, what rugby is. I mean, I'm, I'm from a, a small town of 21,000 people. My dad's Italian, never played sport in his life, um, never finished school, and I got to travel. I think I went to 47 countries in the world, um, and people don't understand what a great sport. So all my friends in Italy and wherever I go in Europe, um, I see mates, and that's what rugby's about. It's a very unique sport. That's 15 questions done. I just want to follow up on um, one of your superstitions, which is running out last, because we've had a few players say that, and I've always wanted to ask, I never have. What happens if there's two of you in the team that has the superstition? Because surely it's happened that has the superstition where they want to run out last. What do you do? Uh, well, if you've been around us 15 years as long as me, you've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little higher. Bad luck. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's just one of those things. It just happened. I don't know. And that's why I wore number 11. I thought it looked good. Even though I should be wearing fourteen, I said stuff that. I said I'll just wear. That's why they got the shits with me because I was on the wrong wing with the wrong number, <laughs> and I just said I just liked eleven. It just looked good, <laughs> and my if number plate in my car was number eleven as well, so it suited. <laughs> if if you'd been in the same uh, dressing room as Eddie Jones and he wanted to run out last as well, you could have run out together and you could have pretended he was the mascot. <laughs> was that supposed to be funny? Was it? Uh, no, no, true. No, no, I, no as, as it, and as it turns out, it wasn't. No, exactly. <laughs> no, Eddie, Eddie Ford's run out. All the Ford's run out early, mate. That's, you know, we were just, nobody wanted to run out last. That was just part of the thing. I always just, it was interesting. When I got dropped in, um, in 95, um, I got dropped by, the only person ever dropped was Bob DeWire. And, um, so in 95, I got dropped and, um, it's after the World Cup. And I was playing club rugby on a Saturday where the All Blacks were playing Australia and New Zealand. Jonah Loma destroyed the Wallabies. Anyway, so Matt Burke's fullback got injured. And anyway, that was on the Saturday. Sunday, the papers were saying in Australia, you know, campees would be called back up into the team. Anyway, so Monday night comes and uh, they picked a guy called Rod Kafer. And no one knew who Rod Kafer was. Anyway, so Tuesday night happens and Mark Ellers are training. He's gone, mate, Rod Kafer's just broken his leg. And I said, that's a real shame, isn't it? And um, anyway, so... <clears throat> Next morning, Rod McQueen was a selector. And Rod rings me and says, mate, um, we thought about it and we think you're the best man for the job. And I'm like, I'm 35 years old. I said, okay, go training, shut up and say nothing. So I said, okay, so off I go training. And I, and I was sponsored by BMW and my number plate was N011 and Ford sponsored Rugby Australia. So I've rocked up in the DM right in front of all the journals. And the manager had the shits with me. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just parking my car. So I walked out to the Oval and Bob DeWire is there. He said, mate, welcome back. I said, yeah, thanks. So off I went and trained. And what happened was if Matt Burke was fit, I was out of the team. Anyway, Daniel Herbert pulls the hammy. Now I'm in the team. So I've never been on the bench in my life. And I said, guys, what do you actually do on the bench? Because I normally play. Mm-hmm. Oh, we sit there and we have these snakes and all that. So yeah. So anyway, so on, on Saturday in the game, anyway, so Jason Little, uh, I always used to sit on front of the bus. From 19 years old to 36, I always sat on the front of the bus. So Jason took my job when I was out, and then he said, oh, mate, you can sit in the front of the bus. And I said, thanks, that's kind of you. So we get to the game and on the bench, and Jonah Loma's destroyed the Wallabies. Um, I get... Uh, Damien Smith scores a really good try before halftime, gets injured. I've gone to the dressing room, come out, and Bob DeWise says, 
don't give him any room. So I'm thinking, you talked about Jonah. I said, mate, if 15 guys can't stand Jonah, stop him. How am I going to stop him? So I run out number 16, kick off, Jonah runs at me. I tackle him. Absolutely in shock. The whole crowd's in shock because I've never tackled him in my life. And Sean Fitzpatrick's looking at me and laughing. He said, what the F are you doing? I said, look at him. I said, mate, I've got no idea what I'm doing. And it was a great moment. And then there's a scrum packing and Sean and I, I'm in the, we're having a laugh. So after the game, I went to the All Black dressing room. I swapped jersey with Jonah. Anyway, I went back to the Wallabies. Bob DeWire absolutely ripped into me big time. And I'm sitting there going, mate, that's, that's, that's who I am. That's part of the game. And um, so that was, um, it was just a moment, but, I mean, it's just part of a story. So superstitions, front of the bus all my life, run out. Um, and when even Jason said, oh, mate, you can have the front seat back. But that's just, it just worked for me, and that's what I enjoyed doing. Definitely worked. Chris, what do you think is worse, your success rate with jokes for our special guests or Australia's goal kickers' success rates? Um, well, um uh, neither have registered on the scoreboard. No. Um, so it's 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 it is it is what it is. Um, you know, D- David used to. I mean, he re- won't remember all the interviews he's given to the English press. I was in on them. I was in on a, a, a couple of them down the years. He gave a particularly inflammatory one in '95 before the Wallabies were beaten in the quarterfinal. But um, it was. Uh, it was quite. It was quite. It was quite good. Uh, it was. It was great fun, actually, down the years t- talking to David and and the Aussies and the Aussies generally. Actually, in fairness, because a, a lot of the English press guys, I think Brendan will agree with this. We thought that the Australians, in terms of press relations and a willingness to talk and a willingness to actually say something during interviews, mm. rather than just you know do a Jeff boycott and block the Tim Tom Tit out of everything. They were, they were They're brilliant. The they were, they were always good copy. Welcomed you. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they were fantastic. On that, on that, I just remembered another one from you, Campo. 2003, mm-hmm. about a week after the World Cup, for some reason, why were you tasked with walking down Oxford Street <laughs> with, with the board saying, sorry, I was wrong, or something like that, wasn't it? Um, I was well, there. I, I can't I was... remember why we made you do it. So what I think it was with um, Gabby Logan was the uh, I think the Sky commentator or something, and I did some some commentary with them, and I think it was in Brisbane, and um, and uh, England I think England playing Wales, and someone said, "Oh look, you know," Gabby said, "Oh look, you know," there's been a poll in England from Ladbrokes and Ladbrokes, and said, "What would you like most like to see?" And they said, "If England wins the World Cup, they want to see David Campisi walk down Oxford Street." with a sandwich board. And I actually thought it was Oxford Street in Sydney, which is gay. I'm saying, okay, I'll do that. Fine. Anyway, so um, when you won, so I said, right, so went over there. Uh, they paid me a lot of money, so it was fine. I don't mind. <laughs> and then if I recall, you gave England the World Cup at the BBC Sports Award. Oh, mate, how, how, how bad was that? How bad was that? Because in 91, uh, I was in Italy. And I don't know if you remember this, but I was in Italy. And they rang me up and said, oh, mate, can you – can you come and uh, present England the Team of the Year award? The came runners up in the World Cup. And I've gone, okay. <laughs> so, so, so I've rocked up with jeans, just some, a white uh, singlet and a jacket. And then I've got on, you should have seen the looks from the England players. <laughs> Absolutely horrified. I've got everything. Oh, yeah, great, you know. Anyway, so in 93, uh, sorry, in 2003 when you won, they rang me up 
And even Clive were really pissed off that I was the one who presented it <laughs> with the team of the year. You English are very strange how you actually present your teams with awards. Well, at least, but, at uh, least, mate, at least you have more of a smile on your face doing that than John Howard did on the night of the final. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, the best team won in the World Cup. I mean, you've got to appreciate that. Your prime you know, minister I mean, threw the cup and the medal to England players. No, but I think there was something, you've got to understand, I think there was something that he had, because they went at extra time, there was something that happened that he had to do. I don't know, but I'm not. That's what we heard that it was there was time restrictions and he had to get out. Something happened. It wasn't about his attitude. Well, I think so. I mean, that's what we were told because John Howard is, loves rugby. He's a really nice guy. Um, and unfortunately, well, well, okay, we'll talk about 2019 England players not even putting their fucking medals on. How bad was that? that was terrible. Honestly, that was that was disgusting. And the, and the world rugby did nothing about it. I mean, they've just disrespected Japan and they didn't put it on. I've gone, mate, really, it's a World Cup. I completely so agree that's with that. That's what I mean. That's why everyone doesn't like England, because they do stupid things like that. Yeah. It's very sad, you know. I was there. The Japanese were a great hosts, and then you see something, you sit there going, mate, really? Yeah, Sorry. needless. So, so don't have a go at John Howard, please. Oh, okay. I, well, now we're beginning to understand your politics as well, David, so that's good. Um, well, we're square now. It's one on one. Campbell, I've but got, I must got admit, another one but, for you. Um, yeah. Well, why did you take a year off and play golf when you were a teenager? But, were, you, were you going to become the next, I don't know, Masters champion or something? And what happened to the golf? What's that? Yeah. Well, like I said, like um, I lived a um, hundred meters from a golf course in Queanbeyan, and country towns. As I said, my dad never played sport. <clears throat> Uh, I had a brother, two younger sisters, and I would play. I played rugby league from eight to sixteen. So we played on Sunday. So my parents never came to watch. So there was never any pressure. So I then I played Aussie rules for a couple of years. I won a golf championship at fifteen, and I did all these sports. And there was never any pressure at all. So I just went and played. So rugby league was sixteen. We lost the premiership. Uh, they blame me for it. Um, and they went to the party, they were drinking. I wasn't a drinker and I said, oh, I can't handle this. So next year I went to watch rugby. So in 79, I went to watch fourth grade uh, before the season and watched them go. And I said to the fullback, the coach, I said, mate, do you need a fullback? So I started the, that week after, uh, absolutely clueless about this game. And they put me at fullback. I played fourth grade with all the old 38-year-old guys and the ball would go over their head and, They'd look up and this young guy at the back would run the ball back. They had a great time. They didn't have to run anywhere because I'd bring the ball to them. We won the premiership that year, played first grade next year, um, then played for the Australian 21s and played for the Wallabies in four years. Off I went. I was clueless. Had no idea. Off I went. That's a secret, I was the hardest trainer. Well, I just, no one saw Well, again, there was never any pressure for my parents. Not now, I don't know if you see parents, they take their kids' bags to the game and they're there and I'm going, oh, mate, really, I couldn't handle that. Um, and that's what I tell my kids. So my daughter, Sienna, who's 18, she's just made the Australian uh, country team, Australian team, 18. She's been, she's made, she's a great sports lady. Uh, all our kids play. And I said, just go and play whatever sport you want and then one day you decide. There's never any pressure. And that's, that's, I have to thank my parents for that because my dad was he had he was he just had his grapes, his vegetable garden, he had his chooks, and he had his rabbits, and that's what he loved doing. So 
Uh, and I, that's what I put my uh, successes down because there was never any pressure to play anything. I could play what I wanted to do. And then one day I was lucky to go and play rugby and off I went. Way to go. Hmm. It went a long way. So then I lived Then I lived in Italy for 10 years. I lived in South Africa, uh, coached in the Tull Sharks, uh, married my wife, Lara, who's from Zimbabwe, uh, lived around the world. And I think that's what rugby's about. That's that's what the, the real rugby's all about. It's not about uh, professional. It's about playing the game that you love playing and you can express yourself, you know. But you've got to have the skills to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's... Do ten, 10 more minutes if that's okay. That's fine. I don't want to. Well, I've got a, I've got a half a bottle left, so I can probably draw the ten minutes. In ten okay. minutes, <laughs> okay. about England. So, yep. you need half a bottle. Um, look, we've had a lot to digest this episode. We've got a thousand things noted down. The biggest one on the list, and we'll start with that and just see how we go. Is obviously Owen Farrell. Um, David, I'll have your input on him first of all, and what you make <clears throat> potentially missing, not just the Argentina game, you know, but potentially the entire round-robin stage of the World Cup for England. He should be barred for life. Because the thing that really disappointed me was in 2018 in England when he did that tackle against the South African guy, high tackle, I don't know if you remember. Yeah. And yeah. Angus Campbell, the Australian referee, made the worst decision. If he actually sent him off, the World Cup 2019 would have been great. Because he didn't send him off, remember in the World Cup 2019, every high tackle, he got red carders, everybody, because of that decision. And then the week after that, he played Australia, Owen Farrell, and he shoulder-charged a big lock who went for the line. I don't know if you remember that as well. And he's a rugby league player. He's been doing it all his life. So I find it very interesting yeah. that, that's, that he's allowed to do that. So, um, yeah, look, I, I just think that that's, that's very sad um, and he hasn't learned. And why make him captain, really? He's not a captain's backside. He's a rugby league player. Why do we always get these rugby league players and give them the honour of doing things? How many rugby union players captain their rugby league teams? Nobody. Because they don't look at our sport as, but we encourage these guys. Yes, he's been around. I mean, you've got some really, Smith's a good player. But the problem is you haven't got a, num a number 12 who's going to run off Smith. That's the problem, you, you know. Um, so, look, <clears throat> again, you know, you English have got some really good players, but you don't pick the best possible team. Brendan, what do you That's make? That's my thought. thought. Band for life? <laughs> That's a, right? a, bit, a bit excessive, that one, but... Why? Um, but why? What, look, look what he's done to the game. What has he done to the game? I'll take a slightly more sympathetic view overall, but it was a, it was another another bad challenge. He should get the maximum ban, whatever that is. I don't. It probably ought to start at twelve weeks, not six weeks. And he probably you know could well could you know missing the tournament would be an option. What he will get is probably four weeks. And he'd yeah, be... but why? Why? Because he's English. No, but, well, because they 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 don't <laughs> just fudge the English. You know, Johnny Sexton got away quite lightly with his sort of verbal assault on the refs at the European Cup final. He it's all massaged so he's available but, but can I can I say something? He's been doing that for years though. He's been mouthing off for years as well. Well again he's been doing that and Owen Farrell's the been referee away with bad the referee should have said years. mate off you're off. Just send him off. He yeah. did that when he came out to Australia. I was watching him in Australia here. He was mouthing at the referees every five seconds. Yeah. 
And that's well, the problem with a lot of Australian players. Plane. He came down from the stands to give the, the referees his... Yeah, but, but even uh, Nick White. I mean, a lot of Australian players, I've watched them in Scotland life. They mouth, they they just... Hmm. they It's like watching football. They just mouth off at the ref. Mate, can you imagine our days? With big Clive Norling. With his Norlo would have your little white shorts. Yeah. Exactly. But these guys, they yeah. accept that. So, now, listen, you talk to me like that, mate, you're off. I said, go, just go. So, But that's the thing is, they... They want you to do things, but they, by the law, they just, oh, well, they have circumstances. I mean, Owen Farrell's got a bad record. If they did it the first time, the World Cup 2009 wouldn't have been a debacle with all the head high tackles. And what the World Cup, you go back and have a look how many guys got red carded for high tackles and the amount of missed tackles you can see in the game. It's, mate, it's just, it's just diabolical. I mean, if they want to be fair, any high tackle, mate, you're off. Go. I think he will cop a big ban this evening. I think it is a disciplinary. He won't, yeah, he we'll won't get the life ban, Campo, but he will get a, a big and significant ban that will absolutely <clears throat> fundamentally affect England's World Cup. I mean, if he's out for six weeks, that's it. He'll miss all the pool matches. Do we even pick him? Do we even pick him? Do you remember 2015 Rugby World Cup? Australia versus England. Just trying to remember game. that one. 40, 14, something like that, was it? England one? No, no, no. Can you remember what happened? Who got who got red carded? Who got sent off in a high tackle? Oh, and we're talking about 2015 to, now, sorry. To 2015. Right. Hang on. There was a David Pocock, was there? Or, or no. Like, no, no, no. It was two England that. players. There was England a strange players. thing at the end, wasn't there, David? Sam Burgess got away with one. Yep. And Farrell got, but they both did exactly the I'm, same tackle. And Farrell got. And they should have yeah. been both off. They should yeah. have been both off, but the referee didn't. So it's just, if you want to be, look, that's what's wrong with rugby. If you want to be fair, be fair. That's the laws. You can't tackle above the shoulder. That's the thing, above the nipples, but they do. And yet he does it. Farrell does it. He got caught a couple of years ago as well. I mean, they're shocking. But that's There's what rugby league players. That's what rugby league players do. And he's a rugby league. And what player. rugby league coaches coach still? Yeah. Well, rugby exactly. league coaches in union. This is this is exactly. all this is all cause and effect, isn't it? This whole thing. It is. I mean, I mean, Owen Farrell is the is in a sense the product of what rugby union has become. Yep. Um, in in his uh, uh, approach to tackling and what mm. have you, but he is also mm. one of the people. Who is forcing rugby down that road? So it's all—it's it's a great mishmash of cause and effect. I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated with with Owen Farrell, really frustrated because he simply hasn't learned. Um, but he's not going to change. He doesn't want to be a rugby player. He's he's a league player playing rugby. It, it does. And I, it I does, can remember. I think seem... it was. I think last year. I think last year, the year before, in the Six Nations, there was a photo of Twickenham, uh, England playing Scotland. And there was a ruck on the halfway line, and England had four players versus Scotland two. And what you do, he kicks from the fucking corner. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you go, mate, you've got four players. Just give them the ball, let them have a go. But no, because that's what he was told. That's that's his. You know, I'm sick of rugby league players coming to rugby. I'm really sad that we've got to go and pay players who don't want to play our game. Um, Villawatu, who's going on the World Cup now, Eddie Jones said three weeks ago he's going to be, be the best rugby winger in the world. The poor guy's never been taught how to play rugby. Well, but that's England... okay because Eddie Jones, Eddie Jones knows the best of every player in the world. Mate, if I got hold of him, I could teach him things that no one could teach him because that's what my position was. 
but we're not allowed to. We're not allowed to pass knowledge on. And there is and a personality really thing them. here. You take Jason Robinson, comes from, you know, he was a pure rugby league player. He taught himself to become a textbook rugby union tackler. By the time he was mid-rugby union career, there was no yeah. lower, fairer, more textbook tackler than Jason mm. Robertson. But he came from the same environment, rugby league <laughs> culture, as, as Owen Farrell and the, uh, the other the other league um, time. But can I, okay, I'm, I'm going to go back to 2003 quickly, the Rugby World Cup final. What happened in the first uh, 10 minutes in the Australian England game? Well, Lottie Dekiri got that try, didn't he, when they put it up high over Jason. Okay. Okay, so Lottie Dekiri, six foot four, Jason Robinson, five eleven. Yep. How many other times did we do the kick in the air to, <laughs> to Jason Robinson? Yeah, what happened there? <laughs> mate, I I would have just gone, mate, we'll just stand here all day. We would have scored by hundred. But that's what I mean. That's how dumb it is. You've got someone up here, down here. What do you do? Just mate, just kick in the air. Well, that's what I don't understand. I don't understand. And who was the coach? Eddie. For Australia? Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones was the Aussie coach, yeah. So Eddie Jones did that 20 years ago. He got rugby league players. So what's he done when he's come back? He's got more rugby league players. Mate, we've it's, got it's, talent. It's, we it's haven't got, we've true. got talent. It's still true though, David, isn't it? That, that in, in terms of rugby league players to come in the union, the further you are away from the forwards, the better chance you've got of, of, of making the cut. You know, wings and fullbacks um, um, coming out of league, they've had a measure of success. <clears throat> Anyone inside of that, you <clears throat> might you might make out a case for Sonny Bill Williams, let's say. But he, all, he was never first, or very rarely, first choice for the All Blacks. When oh, Colin Smith and Mar Nanu, Nanu were fit, they were the centres, and Sonny Bill was um, Sonny Bill was on the bench. But leaving him aside, there aren't many non non back three players who have come out of the league and made a real success. Of it. <clears throat> There's nobody, um, even um, oh, apart from even... Sam Burgess, I forgot him. Because he's Sam Burgess, but now, again, now, if you've got now. Sam Burgess, if someone tried to teach him how to play, I mean, he's huge. God, I stood there. I met him. Mate, yeah. he's twice the size of me. I'm a midget. So if somebody had to just give him the skill and say, mate, this is what I want. Just go and try this. But that's the problem. They bring these rugby league players over and you've got to fit into what we do. Yeah. And the guys never play. You know, yeah. England, again, last year, England versus uh, Australia, to have seen cricket round. They bring their Valuatu one. Five minutes to go. On our try line, I said, "Mate, what's your superstar? Is he Superman? What's he supposed to do? Run the length of the score?" I said, "Really? Five minutes ago in the test. Why would you bring a guy five minutes ago?" That's what I don't understand. But I but just in, don't understand in, these. David, David in, in 2014, 2015, England made Sam Burgess the highest paid union player in the country when he had never played a single game of union, and they brought yep. him in to do precisely the things that we're now all moaning about. Yep. Rugby exactly. leagues are, rugby, get who, over the game line. Who was line, the coach? Get over the who game the line coach? and smash people, smash seven bells out but of who, people with rugby league. Who was the coach? Um, who was the coach? Stuart Lancaster. Mm. Great coach he's been, hasn't he? Well, um, you know, Leinster have been quite, he's been at Leinster for a while. We'll, 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 we'll see where Stuart has got to with his coaching because he's going to Racing now in Paris. So, I know, but, but, the, but this is but this is what I talked about before. With foot, football, coaches get in this circle, they get sacked or leave, they just keep on going to another job. They keep on going and they do exactly the same. I don't think we ever got really to the truth of the of the Burgess thing, how big a, say, Andy Farrell had in bringing him across. Um, um, Stuart always took that. Stuart was the head coach. And in fairness to Stuart, it was a really good bloke. He took that. He said, <laughs> I was the head coach. 
I was the man who did it. So that's fine. Um, and actually, a lot, well, a lot of people uh, will still sit there and argue that Sam Burgess was a success that we should have made. But also, but 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 if you have a look at uh, a guy called a guy called Michael Jordan, <laughs> best basketballer in the world, then he goes and plays baseball. Now, if he couldn't really make it, doesn't it demonstrate to you if he's one of the best athletes in the world? I kept on saying, what a great athlete. If he struggles, someone who's not anywhere near that's going to struggle. You know? Yeah, sure. But we don't because it's a name. Even Eddie, we've got this young guy out here who's 19, went to a rugby school, but now we spent $1.6 million on him. He's not available for two years. Yeah, because we yeah, just want to upset rugby league. We want to upset rugby. What is that? What rugby league got to do with the price? We've got a school system. We've got players, but the problem is they want. They, they, we're just totally, totally lost our way. We've got a. You know, why, why do boards never get in trouble for what they've done in the past? The amount of money they've spent. Why? Why aren't they accountable? They move on and go. Thanks, mate. Great service. You know. Bill Beaumont's been here 20, 40 years. But what have you done in 40 years? What have they done to make the game better? The heavens. You'll be, you'll be interested to know, uh, David, that in, in the rugby paper, uh, certainly in my corner of it, world rugby is known as the non-governing governing body. And that's what that's what they are. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know what they're for. I don't know what they're for. Just one more question on the Owen Farrell thing, and then I think we will mm. today. Yep. David, do you feel then from what you've said about Farrell, that his ban is actually a blessing in disguise in some ways. I don't know if you watched England-Wales, but the general feeling, and I'm sure Chris will agree with me here, George Ford effectively in the game, and he looked very, very good when he came on. Um, Look, I think the biggest problem you guys had was uh, uh, Ford's uh, old man was coach as well, wasn't he? There was a time then he was on the... Uh, the yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so there was always... A defence yeah, There was always... Yeah, that was always a problem when you had the father's coach. I mean, it's like it's like watching a kid now who comes through the grades, and the dad's the coach. The the, the dad pushes to come through because he's the coach of the, the thing. It's like Ford, and now you've got Farrell as well. His old man was coaching. Um, that's how I look at things. I'm not an ordinary person. That's how I don't want to coach my son or my daughter because I think it's not fair. Um, I think if I was going to coach rugby, I'd other coach. Um, a year below my son or a year below above because it's, it's very unfair coaching and that's why I look at it. I think Farrell, I think he did a tackle a couple of years ago as well, which is really bad and he was playing for Saracens as what well, was a shocker. He's got a history of it, but he's allowed to keep on doing it. If they nailed him on the head straight away and said, mate, you're out for eight weeks, go. We don't want you. Because what happens is mothers see that and Mothers are the ones who let their kids play. Now, we had the same – I don't know if you watched last year when South Africa played Australia in Adelaide, when um, when the South African winger, then Corabetti came along, hit him in the air and saved the try. Straight away I said, red card. He didn't use his arm, use his shoulder because rugby league players, they use their shoulder. Anyway, so – Anyway, the other thing is, it's quite interesting. You can't hit anybody in the air. Is that the law? Is that right? You can't hit anybody in the air? Is that what the law states? Yeah, if, if the ball just pops up on the bounce and the bloke jumps a yeah. little bit to okay. get on the bounce, so still the South, South, Okay, the South African guy's in the air, diving. Corobetti hits him in the air and saves a try. And everyone's got, oh, what a great tackle. Fantastic. So 
even the guys in commentary, like Drew Mitchell said, oh, that was unbelievable. And I just said, oh, I tweeted, I said, man, that's a red card. And they said, oh, come on, Tampa. I said, mate, you've got to give him the effort. You know, it's a great time. I said, no. I said, mate, you don't understand. I coach kids. You tell kids never to do that. And the mothers look at that and say, you're not playing rugby. And yet on TV, you say, oh, that was a fantastic talent. I said, mate, he didn't use his arms. So that's the problem is you've got the adults saying something, but then the kids here see that and they want to do that. So you've got Farrell. You don't realise the effect that that has on some young kid who said, oh, I'm going to try that. I saw that guy do that in place for England. It's a great tackle. That's what they forget. The kids watch. They see what happens. They want to be like that player. But, but in, in different t- countries, you know, Obviously, there's the liability side of things, but in terms of the way England play as well, do you see more potential in that England backline, which, but ask anyone, has failed to click well for the last two, three years? With... But why? But why? Who's the backs coach for England? I think technically it's now Richard Wigglesworth, isn't it? But I mean, it, we never used to be given the name of the backs coach. It was some itinerant Aussie who would come in every two or three months. Yeah, it was Paul Grace. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. No, no, seriously. Cat- we used to have guys we'd never yeah. heard of would arrive and they'd be termed the backs coach. Well, you you picked Eddie as coach. <laughs> I did warn you, but no one listens to me because they've got no idea what think I'm doing. You know, coaches are, coaches are, to me, a coach is to, if you want a backs coach, you've got to give the players the skills to play a certain style. And... The problem is professionalism now. Everyone does exactly the same. No one's different, you know, and um, that's that's the sad thing about the game. I think the game's uh, gone through. If you have a look at when rugby was at its top, it was exciting. We had players who could do things. You encourage players to do things. Now it's just kick the crap out of the ball. Um, and, again, if you haven't got the skills, the confidence, or allow guys to help um, – Try and make mistakes. You know, um, I know I'm almost finished, but for me, the British Lions '89 making that mistake when Rob Andrews missed that goal and I threw that pass and we lost. Um, if I didn't throw that, I don't think I would have played as I did in '91 because I think that's the more you mistakes you make, the more you try, the better you get. If you don't try, you'll never try, and you've got to make mistakes. Life's no one's perfect, but it's how you react to when you make a mistake. And if you think at 91, I think I played my best rugby because I was free, I made mistakes, and I just kept on trying. And that's what you're supposed to do in life. And you've got to let every kid plays keep on saying, mate, don't worry about if you make a mistake. I want you to go and find a way. Yes, you tried that, but there's another way. I want you to find it. And that's what coaches don't do. They don't let the kids make mistakes. Because that's how life is. No one's perfect. You can't. No one's perfect in life. You got to make mistakes, and I think that's one thing that we've got to learn, with kids. You got to get them out there and treat them as a kid and say, "Mate, off you go. Play more games. Uh, if you want to be something, you want to sidestep, sidestep. Go for it. I don't really care. Okay. If it didn't work, okay. There's another way. Find it. And that's where coaching is very important. The way we allow kids to express themselves. That's that's life, mate. I mean, the problem is with these days of phones and all that. You know, um, and the thing is, if kids don't watch, and that's the problem, they don't watch rugby in Australia. We struggle big time because of these other codes. But have you seen the the movie The Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner? Oh, Field of Dreams, yes, seen that one, yeah. Yeah. What did he say? If you build it, they will come. 
Yeah. If you play a style of rugby, people will come and watch. But if you don't, people won't come. It's the same fact of life. You've got to you've got to entertain people, and entertaining people is playing a style of rugby that people have never seen, and they want to involve. That's how in Australia we we became ninety one world champions, and ninety nine we're the first country in the world to win two World Cups, and now we haven't won since. Because the coaches coming after that didn't want to play the style. We are Australians. We are different to English. We are different to New Zealand. We are different to Wales. Wales' problem is why do they keep on getting Kiwi coaches to coach the Welsh team? Gatland, do you know Gatland? Uh, I played against him in 1986. Do you know he sat on the bench for the All Blacks for 50-something tests never got a game as hooker? Never got a game because Sean Fitzpatrick never came off. <laughs> History, guys. No, but I'm just saying, that's it. Yeah. You get, you earn, you've got to earn the rights to play. You've got to earn. It's not a contract because you get paid more money. To me, you've got to earn the right to be um, a player playing for a World Cup for Australia or England. Just because you're on the contract means nothing. I think Toji's the same. Toji's a bloody good player, but he thinks he's really good now. He's got to go back to realise why he was one of the best players in the world. You know, forget about the politics. Get, forget about that. Play the game. Be a leader. Show that you want to play there. But they get older. As you get older, you think you're a bit, you know, you're, you're one of the leaders and all that. You'd have to work as hard. But that's not good because you, you're, you're as you get older, you are a leader for the younger guys to say, mate, if I can do it, you should be able to do it. You know, and that's why probably Skelton is the coach saying, the captain saying, guys, if I can do it 150 kilos, 100, you can do it. So that's what I mean. Coaches are very smart sometimes and, and picking players to do certain things. How's the bottle of wine doing, David? All done? I've got I've got a little bit, guys. Not much, but yeah. No, I didn't drink the whole bottle. <laughs> I think we will wrap up there anyway. I'll leave you to okay. the wine without the joys of our company and Chris Hewitt's shit That's joke. fine. Are David, you, are you able to come up from France for the World Cup or are you having to do it down under? Uh, no, well, I've got to... Um, I was supposed to come up um, with a, a group of guys, but they decided to shaft me at the last moment. I've been cancelled by Rugby Australia, so I can't do anything. Um, so I'm trying to head up with my wife and my daughter on the probably from the 26th of September onwards. So I've got a 10 day cruise at the end. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's look, I've never missed a World Cup, but uh, I used to work a lot, but it's, it's just hard because we, we're, we're that old now that people don't even know who we are. So it's very frustrating. You know? I think people in France will probably remember you, David. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> David, huge, huge thank you. Um, it's been a he hell of a two hours, certainly our longest episode. Two hours? Jeez, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting going. <laughs> no, well, I mean, the thing is, that's how I just love it. I mean, the thing is, people don't say you just love the game. I just love the game. I mean, it's, the thing is that you, you, you're so frustrated because you can see things and say, oh, if I can get hold of those guys, this is what I will teach them. And yet we're not allowed to. You're not yeah. allowed to be involved. I mean, that's bizarre. Yeah. You know? Before you go, let's get a quick prediction for where Australia are getting to in the World Cup. Well, the problem is um, I don't think anyone's got any any idea. Probably Eddie's only one's got some idea. We have got the – I think we've got the easiest pool. Yeah. I really think that. I mean, Georgia, who knows? I mean, I don't know about Georgia, who they're playing. I know a lot of their players used to play in France. Um Physical, good scrum, uh, but I don't know. In the backs, you know, we'd probably again beat them there. 
Fiji are a hell of a lot better. Now Fiji will probably give you 70, 75 minutes instead of 60 because they've been playing in the Super Rugby, so they're getting better. Then you've got Wales. Wales have lost a lot of senior players, so they'll be pretty raw. Mate, it's – and then Portugal. So I, I think we'll get to the quarters. Um, again, up to then, who knows? I mean, as I said, if we lose our number 10, we're gone. And that's the thing is you don't realise – we'll look at France now. <laughs> Interback's gone. Like you, before the World Cup, it's gone. So now they've got to try and scramble to find someone else. So that's the thing is in World Cups, you don't know. If you lose, like if you think about 2019 World Cup, England lost their best player five minutes into the game. So Coles, who's a 36 year old prop, who's been playing 20 minutes, he's got to play 60 minutes. So that destroyed their scrum. And then the, then the South Africans bring on the whole new front row, which I think is really dangerous for the game. And I think that's one thing we've got to look at rugby is you can't bring on a whole brand new front row when you've got one guy who's 35 who's only been playing. Now they just get to that, – that's, that's cheating, I think. Uh, I think they've got to look at the game and say, well, that's more dangerous when you bring on a whole brand new front row with 20 to go and the other team haven't got anyone else to go on. Yeah. I mean, really, is, is that fair? I mean, that's, that's not fair. Some coaches can do that. I wouldn't have tactical substitutions at all, David. No. Well, well, when we played, we were the best 15 in the world, in Australia. Now you're the best 23. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You play, it, you play, you play. You play. If you're good enough, you play. But now, what, this thing, that really, this, I don't understand. Like, we just had the Blitters Low Cup. So you have uh, the Wallabies go out 40 minutes, you know, showing the drift. 41 minutes, you're on the field. Okay, you're sub. <laughs> you just spend 10 minutes in the dressing room. You've got one minute out there, then you're sub. How, what does that? I mean, you take your best player, you take your captain off, you take your captain off the field with forty to go. What the hell? Well, well let them play. The combinations are working, so you get rid of them and you bring a totally different combination, and you wonder why it doesn't work. I, I actually, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually, I don't understand. If you're good enough to start, you're good enough to finish. So, is that a prediction, Australia, to go out in the quarters? I don't know who will end up with playing England. I mean, it could be a. I don't think England's that good, are they? Yeah. The 50 50 no, match no, at best. No, no, well, I'm just saying, seriously. I mean, I can see you getting again. to the semis. I can see you getting to the um, semis. Probably. But again, who? I mean, I mean, if you look at the big games, uh, South Africa versus Ireland, Nepal, uh, you've got a game coming up on the 24th, which is Australia versus France. You've got the Springboks playing New Zealand going into the World Cup. And the thing is, in World Cups, you don't, you, you don't want an easy game. You want hard games. And unfortunately, Australia's got Portugal before they get to the quarters. So you might beat Portugal by 80 points. And then next week, you've got a defence is going to be, you won't be able to do what you did against Portugal. I'd rather a very hard game instead of a very easy game. So that could work against us. Uh, and again, in those games... You get an injury. That's that's again. That's the problem. If you lose a, st- a star player, who you know, we haven't got combinations. You can't just sort of um, and no, Nettie, who'll play different plays in different positions. You know, you, you need combinations and you're a good goal kicker. That's that could be our downfall. I'll take that as a quarter slash semi final prediction, but obviously, <laughs> yeah. Remain- no, well, I, I think again. I, I, the thing is, when you're away from the game, you got no. I got no idea. Yeah. Honestly, I've got no idea because I don't watch. You know, you don't hear what's happening. 
you know, Eddie's over there somewhere. He takes a team up to Darwin. He picks a different captain, total different. He said, you know, after the Blizzard Cup, it's great to have Tate McDermott as captain. The next week he, he drops him as captain. So Eddie changed his mind every every five seconds. So if he changes that, how do we supposed to know what's, you know, you just got to watch the game and see how they perform. Yeah. Game by game. Right. Well, obviously you'll, you'll all or in you. So it, it, it would be great to have you back on after the Rugby World Cup when... Yep, definitely. I'll try and come yeah. up with some better jokes. Yeah, yeah. Chewie will work on his chat. Yeah, they'll pretty ordinary, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, guys. Cheers, David. Brilliant. Hey, thanks for your time, David. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Rugby Paper Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use and recommend the show to your friends. The Rugby Paper is available to buy every Sunday. And to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe through our print, digital and online options at therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. That's therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions to get all our content for as 14p per day.